Okay, take one was a disaster. Take two, we're here. Welcome to the Catching Up podcast. Um, you'll notice if you are watching on YouTube, you'll notice it's just myself and my co-host Zoe. Hi. Uh, so Colm, Colm is unable to join us tonight, unfortunately, but we still wanted to bring you something for uh, Discussing Worlds because, uh, hey, it was a great event, so it's, it's worth talking about. Um, so yeah, welcome to Catching Up podcast. Uh, I'm guessing that we're going to have quite a few, or hopefully quite a few new listeners. So if you didn't know anything about us, we're two players uh, of um, who uh, play in the UK at the moment. I'll quickly introduce myself. So I'm Nick. Uh, I play for Leeds Owls um, in the north of England, um, and I play in the National League One. Um, and I also do a bit of refing as well. And I used to play at uni, and that's how I got into the sport. So we play cloth over here, um, the five ball variant. Um, and yeah, uh, that's that's just a bit about me. Um, I've been playing for five years. Um, if you include covid um Maybe. yeah I'm, I'm gonna include the two years of covid because that's fair um but yeah that's all you need to know about me uh and zoe yeah um i'm i'm zoe i've been playing since 2016 i started at university level over here in the uk uh, playing for the university of warwick and now i play for manchester bees um i also play at an international level for switzerland uh, which is less relevant in this episode than it was in previous episodes. We were talking about Euros before where Switzerland actually appeared, whereas we chose not to go to Worlds, so hence, you won't have seen me there. Hence the big Swiss flag. Hence the Swiss flag. Yeah, yeah. But so... also hence why I'm, I'm wearing an Aussie shirt in honour of a team that actually did go to Worlds today. Yes, yes. And here's me representing, I think, fat face, because um, I have a fat face. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's talk a bit about the dodgeball um so yeah it was the w for those who didn't know uh, i'm sure you should know if you're a part of the uh, dodgeball world but for for new listeners um we had the world championships at the weekend just gone by um in canada in edmonton canada um graciously hosted by them and uh it's the it was the world championship hosted by or run by wdbf um so that's the world dodgeball federation um and it was the first of uh first world championship event hosted by them that hosted both foam and cloth the two international variants of dodgeball we are aware americans there are more different types of uh, dodgeball and i believe japan you also have your own version of dodgeball as well but i love japanese dodgeball it's so cool but yeah sorry go when, on <laughs> when, when i was first introduced to dodgeball um someone so it was someone i knew from malaysia um and she mentioned to me the japanese form because that's what she'd played mm-hmm. um so when i first started playing dodgeball i was like this isn't like i'd been explained um and then someone was like oh yeah that's the japanese variant and realized yeah there are there are many different types of dodgeball but yeah we're gonna focus i don't on know if you've ever yeah so, no no sorry i was on. gonna say it, i don't know if you've ever gone down the specific rabbit hole of trying to find like dodgeball video games but one of the only ones out there that exists is mario dodgeball which is on mario sport club or something like that. i can't remember what it's called it's a really small like it didn't do very well video game um where it's kind of like wii sports meets mario but they've got dodgeball on it and i remember buying this uh drunk one night and playing it with my flatmate leah who plays for uh, bedford rangers like we played it we we're just like what the hell is this this isn't dodgeball 
And then like a year later, I stumbled across Japanese dodgeball videos on the internet. I was like, oh, it is dodgeball. It's just Nintendo is obviously going to do Japanese dodgeball if they're going to do an adaptation. So it's a very good game or it's, a, it's the best dodgeball game there is because there aren't really any. But um, yeah. Japanese dodgeball. I mean, to, to our millions of Japanese listeners, um, <laughs> I am so sorry if we've completely butchered our description of Japanese dodgeball. So please get in touch. Let us know that um, how wrong we are about Japanese dodgeball, and just you know, uh, let, let us know. I would say the only other game that I've come across is Knockout City, but that's not really dodgeball. Yeah, that's not really dodgeball um, either. That's just a game of tag on PC, yeah. <laughs> really. But yeah, not anyway. Helpful. Um, so yeah, back to WDVF and uh, the cloth and foam variation, uh, variation we're going to be talk about, talking about. Um, so those that aren't aware, if you're a UK listener or a European listener who are not is not particularly familiar with the international scene, um, throughout the world there are two main variations of uh, dodgeball. There is the foam, uh, foam format, which is very popular in uh, the Americas and in Southeast Asia and Oceania. Um, so most of those countries play it. And then there's the cloth variant, which you've probably played if you're in Europe. Uh, it's basically all we exclusively play. So, um, and yes, I'm going to lump GB and the UK within the Europe side of things there because we are effectively part of the, we're part of EDF. So we are cloth, uh, cloth people. So we come from a cloth background. So, and also another preface is to all those foam, uh, foamies out there who are loving, loving foam, please take our opinions sort of understanding that we are cloth people we we have cl uh, cloth in our hearts um in the same way that we watch dodgeball dudes and we we fully are aware that they come from a phone background so cloth to them is completely foreign in the same way that i mean it's less foreign to zoe than it is to me but um yeah, yeah that foam's still a very interesting um it's interesting for us because it's it's not something that we're particularly used to here so yeah um I will also say you missed out one pretty major continent there in your list of uh, which That's continents play Africa. which variants. Africa, which do seem to play, it's a split, depends on different countries. It's very much developing in a lot of different countries there, and it seems to be developing semi-randomly which form they play. I think Godivar might play cloth, but I could be completely wrong on that. I've seen like African Championships was foam, but that's not under WDBF, that's WDA. So no, no, it's that's still cloth, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's still cloth. I think. Oh yeah, WDA is cloth. Oh, I can't remember. They so, did something yeah. that was foam based that I saw. So it, it does seem like that continent's quite split between yeah. the two. I mean, you could go. You could do a whole episode on how, like, the history of dodgeball in the world and why there are so many variants and no one can agree on what the rules are. But that's that's definitely that's not this episode. That's a project for another day. Let's put that on to bed straight away. So let, yeah, let's talk about um, yeah. The only thing I want to say about the history of um this kind of event is that before um the dreaded lockdown occurred there was an event that didn't incorporate cloth and foam before it was an exclusive event it was only gb austria canada and usa um that participated it was the atlantic cup that was held in manchester uh, back in 2019 2019 yep. yeah yeah it was april 2019 um in which uh gb was represented as gb i believe um, and then you had Austria that came over, um, Canada came over, and USA came over. Um, but yeah, that's the only other time that we've seen cloth and foam sort of in the same sports hall together, at least as far as I'm aware. Um, so yeah. to say this was like 
a mammoth undertaking is a bit of an understatement because we know how taxing euros is and euros is 16 countries um that play the same rule set uh they're all quite familiar with it um and they just turn up and play um what dodgeball canada had to deal with and wdbf had to deal with with this is that there was six different divisions uh occurring six different gold medals available uh with two different rule sets with um i think yeah i think they said they were hoping 25 team uh, countries were going to come um mm-hmm. and they sent out 80 invitations so this could have been massive um it turned out slightly differently um unfortunately but you know the world works in the way the world works um so we are gutted for the teams that couldn't make it um including switzerland um but yeah um yeah. if you if you want to read up more about that i'd suggest um go go follow wdbf um because hey we we are they're, they're the governing body we recognize so um go go follow them and uh they've got a bit of a post explaining what happened um but to those nations that couldn't come we wish you could have come uh, it would have been great to have seen you on the world stage and uh um hopefully we will do next time um yeah but yes I, ha- I think the interesting thing like you do have to remember when you're looking at this event with it makes the impressive thing so much more impressive than the the sort of failures quote unquote less bad is to just look at it and be like it's insane how different the event could have been it could have been in scotland right like it was originally meant to not be in canada glasgow it was meant to be in glasgow and then it ended up being in you know they changed whenever that was to to make it to be in canada then they i don't think they were fully decided on making it mixed and then they weren't sure whether they were going to have a mixed division of foam they invited 80 countries they wouldn't have known which of those 80 countries were going to show up until sometime around like i don't know i feel like we were still talking about it in swiss chat in like February, March-ish. So relatively close to the deadline, you still wouldn't have known whether you were going to have anywhere between 10 and 80 countries. And then in the weeks before the actual deadline, having to change like all of the scheduling because 11 countries suddenly couldn't show up despite their best efforts at the last minute because of visa problems. That's that's huge. So just, you know, it, like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not saying, oh, it was bad and these are like the reasons why it was bad. It's definitely not that. It was. It seems like an incredible event, um, but it makes it so much more incredible that it was that good considering how many different evolutions this event had to go through, how different it could have looked at any stage in that process. Oh, yeah, massively. And with the sports hall that they had as well and trying to get the scheduling done, making sure the referees were in the right place to make sure that there were enough teams playing, to make sure it was evenly spaced, to make sure everyone had the right groups and all that especially when in cloth there was no seeding as well because there hadn't this is the first of time of it there's no there's no um there, there's no oh, i can't remember the word but like there's there's nothing to base your seeding off before um yeah uh, it's the first time that we've played on the wdbf because previously edf european dodgeball federation was under a different organization so they couldn't use those same rankings they're also way out of date anyway yeah. GB doesn't factor into those old rankings, I don't think, because I think yeah. home nations competed separately previously. So it's a very unusable set of data. Um, so they just didn't know anything going into it, which that's also one of the reasons why we didn't do a, a sort of predictions episode ahead of that, was because even we didn't know what to expect looking into this event. It could have it could have looked like anything. We didn't know even a week beforehand what the event was going to really be like. Yeah, and um, like, obviously we want to say true to our opinions it's hard to form an opinion when you don't know what's going to happen and yeah. and and you know like i think this this speaks volumes to wdbf and the principles that they're trying to go through in terms of making sure that as many teams can play is that 
they'd rather uh, you know prioritize getting the teams there and focusing on making sure that uh, the visas are sorted and and hand out scheduling as like last minute as possible to make sure that as many teams could come as possible um, mm -hmm. speaks volume to the fact that you know we talk about the dodgeball family and stuff like that that they wanted to make sure as many teams were included as possible and I think that um, you know I had issues beforehand of like where's my schedule where's my schedule but now understanding the context of it um, I I can't argue with them I, I agree with their decision making I think it's the right thing to do because you want to try and make sure this is if it is a world first having this many teams in one place and having this many um tournaments and and things going on um you want to make it as inclusive as possible so uh you know thank you for wbdbf for from what my perspective is doing, <laughs> doing the right thing um so yeah it's um it is impressive and a massive undertaking so i can fully respect the uh, anxiousness of probably some of the um, those involved in the decision making on trying to make sure that the right decision was made and the struggles with it so I can I can fully appreciate that um, and like sort of jumping ahead of it I just want to say I think it was a really well run event from what from what we could see from home we wish we were there um, but from watching uh, it on Twitch everything that we watched it, it looked like a really really smooth smoothly well run event um, and there are certain things that they couldn't take into account which changed scheduling and stuff but i think they adapted pretty well and they they handled it in the best way possible in, in my opinion but yeah yeah i mean obviously it's hard for us to comment since we weren't there so there's probably lots of things good and bad that we didn't get to experience or see firsthand um that we, we can't really comment on but looking at it like from afar looking through the streams then it did seem to be very well run the streams themselves were very well run and very well moderated and were pretty pretty consistent um i don't think there were that many i can't think of that many issues that actually happened with the streams as far as cameras breaking down or audio breaking down occasionally there were mic problems where it really wasn't that bad um considering like it did seem to be a little bit sometimes in the middle of nowhere i know that there were worries that the internet wasn't very good in the hall and so they were worried that things were going to shut down at any moment and then there was a power cut <laughs> on the, the saturday <laughs> Um, but you know, it, it seemed to occasionally felt like it was the middle of nowhere and, and that they were going to suffer from that, but it actually didn't come across like that in the streams. Like that was just what people were saying. I didn't really feel like it suffered from it. Um, I think it was really well run. Um, it's the first time that I've, <laughs> cause I've played in all the international events. Um, no, it's just cause I've played in all the international events that have happened since I started like actually giving a damn about international dodgeball because you don't tend to i don't think in the first year or so that you play so ever since i started like really being aware that there were international events i have always been at the international event um with the exception of like the weirdness of the new york worlds which i didn't follow because they were weird um but like <laughs> that's that's all i can say the vibe was weird i didn't watch them um but yeah, because of that, then like this was the first one where I've really followed actively as a viewer and watched streams very carefully, and it just felt really well done. I I really enjoyed being in the streams and being in the chats with people and and just like talking to these people who were all like it was really nice just having chats filled with people who were obviously a lot of Brits following along with the GB team, but then like you'd hang around and watch other matches before and after, and there'd be all these people that I've met like at Euros who couldn't make it to Worlds. Who are like chatting away in the comments for the Italian match, or you know, Sounds like some bunch of Canadians. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but also like all the club account runners like i don't know who it was who was running uh ravina um club whatever that's called the italian one but someone was using the official club account to chat which i thought was really funny um and and then on top of that you've got all the canadians and americans who are coming in and, and watching these matches and and you could connect with all these people that yeah i've literally never met them before but they seem nice they seem good we've all got dodgeball in common we can all chat about dodgeball <laughs> Yeah, it, it was really cool about that, and it was it was good having that, especially when it came to finals because we were all on one Twitch uh, channel. Um, we were able to, you know, chat with people about foam, about cloth, and, and honestly, get foam people's honest opinion about what you, what their experience is watching cloth, and we can voice our opinions about watching foam. I, you know, that those that were in the chat will know that I was very fairly vocal about my opinion on certain things, but it's um. <laughs> It was really good to have the conversations, and you know, just want to give a shout out to the mods that that were on the Twitch chat doing dealing with it because I know um, I'm going to speak from the the British lot that the British lot with the banter can be quite hard to handle at times. <laughs> like we it's do. It's also have... not clear. Yeah, it's it's it... so unclear sometimes with Brits whether or not like when we're mocking someone, is it because they're our friend? Frequently, yes, but if they're not, you have no way of knowing as a mod, and I fully understand why Dan Henshaw was banned from the chat. <laughs> just calling him out straight away i mean yeah look um Bani, yeah it was it, it is what it is but the mods did the right thing a hundred percent um and i i have full respect for what they did um and i think you know we had a good time and a good chat uh during during it and good good conversation so um congratulations to, uh, to that and if um if you anyone wants to go and watch any of it back if you weren't aware of where it was available um a few twitch channels to go follow and find the vods on um, if you go for Dodge, Dodgeball TTV, they they were covering mostly the foam event or the uh, the foam show court, and on Dodgeball TTV two was all the cloth events. Um, other uh, places that you could have watched it was Australia Dodgeball or Oz Dodgeball on um, Twitch. I can't remember what their full handle name is, but um, basically search for Australia Dodgeball, um, and they were doing sev like they were basically following the Australian team around and trying to cover cloth and foam. Uh, for that and um also house of dodge were covering as much as the gb uh events as they can um so if you want to go watch some of them back go find them on twitch give them a follow um and uh yeah you should be able to see, uh, find some of the vods there so you should be able to see it so the fact that there were people who were volunteering to mod two different uh chats that had mm. uh i you know i want to say I, both channels were averaging at least like 600 viewers per game i'd say yeah. it's roughly about they, they all have the actual stats but based on what i was looking at it's about 600 viewers you know that's there's quite a lot of people to deal with um especially when they're talking about things that they're passionate about such as dodgeball and whether their teams teams being treated fairly or not so uh big shout out to them and big shout out to canada dodgeball for organizing it because um or dodgeball canada sorry I need to go the right around dodgeball canada for organizing it because um, I believe it was also streamed on another service. I can't remember what it was called, like Fliss or something like that. Oh, was it one of the CBS things, CBS Access or something? Yeah, there were, well, there was loads of coverage. On, on, what was it? There was yeah. uh, there was a CBS thing or something like that. There was Australia had it on Sports Seven, um, mm -hmm. and then there was if you went on the WDBF web website, um, they had another streaming service as well. There, uh, I'll quickly Google it um, yeah. on what it was. But, you know, big shout out for that production because um, that's not easy. And in a sports hall, sports halls aren't really designed for that kind of thing, I don't think. Um, yeah. They're more focused on hosting the actual sport. 
um, which I think the from what I understand, everything I've heard about uh, was a really good venue. Um, we stream, we stream. That's what it was called. Um, mm. But yeah, it looked like a really good venue. Like it's, uh, it looked like sprung wooden floors, which I think we used. I think it was quite common in the UK to have that as well. Um, I, I do love the fact that the first thing that every dodgeballer comments on whenever we're asking about like halls is what was the floor like though? Yeah. Like ahead of Euros, we were analysing the photos super carefully, trying to work out like what the flooring was going to be. I'm sure people who went to Worlds are the same with this venue. Like they're just like, but what's the floor like? It's a very serious conversation because people want to know what their knees are going to look like before and after the event. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, for the again, those new to dodgeball, the reason that people care a lot about the floor is because when you're running up and down the court first of all you want to have good grip so that you can um plant your feet and throw and not slip and injure yourself and then also the other side of it is is when you're dodging or trying to make a catch a lot of people like to slide sideways or try and hit the deck with their knees so sort of lean forward and hit their knees into the floor um and having something that's more slippy and uh, sprung minimizes that impact so uh keeps things nice and safe for the for the players so uh, that's why it means so much and i think it looked like a really good venue um there's plenty of space for the courts uh i felt like the courts were pretty well marked out it was quite nice that the volleyball courts were a different shade of wood to the rest of the um mm -hmm. very uh, very clear um you know so and that actually leads us nicely on into the rules topic because um there are a few changes ahead of this event um and one of the ones that we we're gonna yeah seg segue on smooth segue um is the sizing of the courts, or at least from from a um, cloth perspective, changed slightly. So I, I say changed slightly because it is in the EDF rules that it can be the same size as a volleyball court, and I think that was the um, that was the directive that uh, they took WDBF was that it's in EDF that you can do this. So therefore, they went with it rather than going with the standard size courts, which is slightly different and marked out slightly differently. Um, because in the sports hall that they uh, they had, they had pre-marked changed uh, dyed wood for uh, a volleyball court and then like the rest of the, the sports hall, essentially. So what they could do is, is they could use the volleyball court markings as essentially the markings for dodgeball, uh, which I think worked pretty well for foam because the markings are identical, I believe. Uh, please don't come after me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not hugely read <laughs> about foam. Um, but it looked like they were using the white lines um, that were marked out and painted on the floor for volleyball as the same for mm -hmm. uh, foam. Cloth is a bit different because um, I'd say volleyball isn't as common in Europe, at least in the yeah. Western side, definitely the Western side of Europe. Um, I know it's quite big in like Poland and stuff, but um, so we don't have that many things, uh, many sports halls like that have like that. Most of our sports halls are covered in badminton courts. So, um, and our court is bigger than a badminton court, quite significantly. Um, so... Quite a British stance as well that you're taking there. I'm not sure that that's necessarily okay. my lived experience. But yeah, volleyball, I wouldn't say, is like the de facto popular handball. Handball is massive. Yeah. Um, Which is but... a, big, a much bigger court anyway, isn't it? It's a pitch. Really. Yeah, exactly. So you end up having like, you just have a lot of overlapping lines. I feel like we've had a lot of, I don't even know what lines we had on growing up but yeah it's not it's not valuable necessarily yeah i mean go go watch the edf streams because you can see how many lines we're used to having on a court like yep <laughs> um it's it's insane the number of lines that you have because 
a typical sports hall and again you I'll, I'll let you speak for what you're used to Zoe but essentially in Britain you usually have uh, three different types of basketball courts you have the full size one and then like the width size you have badminton courts um, sometimes if you're in a really big sports hall you'll have indoor hockey court uh, in, indoor hockey markings as well um, and then yeah sometimes you'll even have volleyball markings occasionally and volleyball just like trounces all of them because they just decide now screw it we're not going the, the horizontal way that badminton is we're going right through the middle um so that that really adds to it so you end up with loads of uh markings with different colors and then we're like oh well we want a dodgeball court so we put another color down um so i think we're relatively used to that kind of like having to deal with different color markings on the on the floor but it doesn't help the players having that many markings on the floor because they still you know tracking back need to make sure that they don't line fault um but yeah, so yeah, sorry, off topic. Back back on topic. What? Actually, yeah, what actually happened was so the Euro uh, cloth the cloth rules changed um, or the cloth court was slightly different. It had a big and neutral zone so that the throwing distance was the same as uh, what we're used to in European dodgeball rules. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. The other things to point out as well is when you were talking about foam there, you said, you know, this is the de facto foam court. That was the, the men's foam court. That's something that we don't do in cloth. We don't have a distinction between men's and women's courts, um, partly because mixed dodgeball is kind of the default that we all start off with, I think, or at least not so much in the UK, anymore, but in a lot of European nations it is. So there's a need to have a standardized court for mixed or co-ed, as you know, the North Americans seem to call it. Um, Whereas that doesn't seem to be as big of a thing in North America. And so I think they've kind of evolved having two separate streams. Um, and so having two different court sizes and having, you know, women's dodgeball in one place and men's dodgeball in another place is that worked for them. Whereas the way that it's evolved in, in cloth dodgeball hasn't been like that. And we have, we've got the same court sizing for the two yeah. genders. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's something that I think, you know, that was looked into when they were looking at the, the new lines for WDBF. And you know, considered whether or not they were going to create a women's court sizing for cloth. I don't think they considered standardizing foam to one gender, but they did consider it in the other direction, which that's something to read into. Um, but either way, at the end of the day, the decision was made that it was, it, you know, we're going to keep the court sizings the same in, in cloth, roughly, as far as like we're going to have the same size courts for men and women make them bigger but make the throwing distance the same so that way you're not disadvantaging people who don't have as strong throws because um, obviously if you make the courts bigger than especially women who sometimes women who are starting off in cloth so like the foam nations who are creating new cloth teams i think would struggle with it if it was any further um just because they're still getting used to the grip still getting used to the throw and on top of that if you start introducing even even further distances to start throwing that's just going to throw them off so I think it was good that they made increase the size of the neutral zone to make space for the fact that the court was wide, was bigger overall. So then you make the neutral zone bigger than EDF. So that, that way the throwing distance is the same. You're not disadvantaging a throwing. Yeah, and I, it's it's an interesting one because having watched it, I do I do feel like the larger neutral zone did impact the way people play. Yeah, I'd be I haven't spoken to any of the players out there, so I I'm you know. This is just from watching it, not from playing it. I can't comment on that. But from watching it, it did feel like um, counters were... There was a lot more one-step counters um, where people were taking... After a throw was taken, they were taking one step up and throwing because with a larger neutral zone, people were pushing forward a bit more. Um, although when we say a bit more, 
the distance is still the same as what we're used to in EDF, so that makes no difference. But if you were to counter counter that, running counter it, it's further to cover because they've got to move further back. So um, especially something like we saw a lot of tombstone catches. Um, and that's yeah. because with the larger court, there is larger space to fall back. Um, and yeah. it meant that they can fall back and slide as much as they want and stay there and make those catches, which, you know, from three ball days, we know it's stupidly common that people can do that. And uh, it appeared in five ball as well when you have a bigger court because people were able to track back, keep that momentum. So when you're throwing the ball, the relative speed of the ball to the player tracking the gap back isn't as fast. They're on the floor in a position where they can just track it, uh, trap it in. And we saw a lot of them come off. Um, the Americans yeah. were... To clarify what a tombstone catch is, is when you're running backwards and you drop to the ground and make a catch while you, basically your top half your body is still roughly upright as you're falling backwards. So you end up... Yeah. That's where the, the idea of a tombstone comes from, right? Is so, that it's... You still, so you're, you're making catch while falling backwards, um, which is insane as a catching method but that's yeah you did see quite a lot of it at worlds this time around compared to something like edf and it, it was a distinctly noticeable difference um yeah. but i just thought yeah, in the men's I don't, I don't know if it was as much in the yeah. women's but in the men's it was happening a lot um which was interesting to see because i don't think we've seen that much tombstoning from since uh three ball um which is mm. interesting but it means that a big part of the cloth game that we like in in edf is the counters the running counters how quick it is was reduced somewhat i'm not going to say much because i think in the men's game especially in the austria england game you saw a lot of up and down court movement um but i definitely think in in the group stages as people are getting used to the courts and, and stuff like that i think that yeah. um you know that, that i think showed. by the time the competition ended then it was kind of similar ish to what we're used to seeing but i think the first few days it did feel as if people were adjusting to it trying to find a new way of basically doing the same tactics, but in a good call. Um, and they, they got there. It just takes a few days. It's the same thing that you see at Euros. You know, We in, in the UK don't have the same rule set as the rest of the Europeans. So the first few days of Euros, you can actively see quite a lot of the GB players like playing in their own individual nations who are just kind of there, like, I, I don't know, struggling to adjust to the new rules and the new court sizings. And then after two days, they're fine. Yeah, and, and, and to emphasize a point that came up in chat a load of times is that the ball placement rule is not a rule that people in British dodgeball play. It's not It's not in cloth rules in British dodgeball, just in the United Kingdom. Um, it's an EDF rule. Um, I'm not going to like go into like whether I think it's good or bad. I actually have mixed opinions on it. I'm happy either way, to be perfectly honest. Um, but it's a thing that uh, British dodgeball players in, in cloth are not used to doing. Um, whereas uh, the European teams are because they play EDF rules in their national countries. So for the foam players that are coming across saying, oh, this rule is stupid, we're not used to it or whatever, we are very aware of the, both the pros and cons of both sides of the rules because we play yeah. it really often. So we know what the pros are and we also know what the cons are. And where we've netted out is is that we're still making up our minds, I think is fair to say, because British Dodgeball yeah. haven't like changed any rules yet. Um, and EDF aren't looking like they're going to change their rules back. So uh, for the foams coming across, um, we have experience in this. <laughs> we have played on both rule sets before, and we know what the pros and cons are. I know for you guys, it'll probably seem really stupid uh, because in foam, why would you ever do that? Why would you ever place the ball on the ground? In cloth, we've played both. So just understand that there are players that have gone through both of it and they, they understand that. So um, 
yeah we're, we're yeah that it. was one of the interesting things for me talking to people was that like yeah that was one of the things that came up where someone was saying oh well it's impossible to place the ball down you can see that gb can't even do it i was like yeah of course gb can't do it they don't normally do that like it's not we're not used to it but it was one of those things that i was thinking about afterwards and i was like it's actually quite nice to see people not being like perfect at every single element of dodgeball it's one like obviously GB were fantastic in most things that they did, but looking at GB foam or looking at like USA cloth, watching incredibly talented players make like silly little mistakes is weirdly nice to me in the way that like it reminds you that these are people who are learning this skill set and that like, okay, that means that it's fine for me as someone who's now picking up foam, you know, trying to learn it. It's okay to be not amazing immediately. No one's going to be amazing immediately. You can take the best foam players in the world and put them in cloth, and they won't be amazing at it yet. They'll get there. They were pretty damn good, but like, you know, give them a couple years, they'll be there. But it does take a, a little bit of time. And so it's something quite nice about seeing, I don't know, seeing people testing out those different rule sets, trying new things, and therefore not being perfect and growing over the course of the competition. But I just thought it was really nice and encouraging to see as a player who wasn't there and as someone who's trying to learn all these different rules. It's quite nice to see that no one's doing it perfectly yet. And so we're all kind of in the same boat. Um, as much as you can say that when you're looking at like the top, you know, the creme de la creme of dodgeball and you're like, yeah, they're just like me. It's like, no, no, they're not. But in that one element, they were. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, we all, well, the GB players anyway, we play in nationals. We, we're in a league structure, which um, means that, you know, they are just like, <laughs> they are. Yeah. We, I mean, to be fair, like some of us have played them on court because it opens. It happens it opens. Like you can play. play also also. in women's super league. Well, yeah, some some of us are in the Super League, some of us aren't. Okay, right, don't need to like showboat too much over there. Playing that international and playing at Super League, God, what a life to live, eh? Um, but yeah, I think so. This is just something I want to like say and be clear on as well is that there was definitely an attitude I felt in the in the co comments um, on Twitch uh, from some of the phone players that just felt like because cloth is unheard of for WDBF, it's like cloth has no dodgeball history. Um, cloth has existed for quite a while um, and we've gone through many iterations of the sport and different rules we know what it's like to change rule sets we know the pros and cons of it and we've experimented quite a lot with our rule set to a point where we've got to a thing like you know the euros where i don't think anyone really had any issues with any of the rules everyone was like we've had three years off we've come back we're playing and no one had an issue with the rules like it just like, you know, it's the standard things of, like, the British players going, okay, there's three major differences between the rules between uh, British dodgeball and um, EDF, which is just um, suicides or leap of faiths um, being uh, proactively uh, allowed in um, European dodgeball rules, and it's proactively disallowed in, or it's not proactively allowed in British dodgeball rules. Uh, basically, if you make the hit in European rules, you're still in. In British dodgeball rules, you're out regardless as soon as you land um there is the court size changes in terms of neutral zone and it's placing the ball down so they're the three major rule changes in, in my opinion between them so we, we're aware of what the rule differences are and we've you know cloth has this history where we've gone through uh we've gone from three ball which used to be the uh, the old version of dodgeball we changed and i think it was 2016 um to five ball rules because we realized that the game was broken in a way um and five 2017 2017 yeah um 2016 was the first World Cup, wasn't it? That was foam. The cloth, sorry, that was cloth. 
5-4? Yeah, but we didn't change it in our league system. That's the international rule change. Right. There's a very good article written by, I don't know who, on um, House of Dodge that covers the entire history of Buff Dodgeball. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah so, so for phone people who've never heard of this as well like house of dodge is a is a company run by uh some mm -hmm. british people um and our good friend uh zoe here sometimes writes articles for them um yeah it's a really good resource if you want to go and find out more about the scene and and reading out up about it because um yeah i i just want to just like yeah that was my only gripe is that i feel like some people were saying oh cloth like is almost invalid in some of its opinions because it's new to WDBF. It's like, no, we, we're not new. We've, yeah. been, we've been here for a while. We've been doing our own thing. It's just the fact that cloth has been developed in Europe and you guys are not in Europe, so you're not aware of it. Um, yeah. I think it's tricky for us Europeans, like, feeling like we're being portrayed as the outsiders and the underdogs and the little the little ones. When we're like, EDF, like, Euros had 16 nations at it as well. We Essentially, Euros was as big as Worlds as far as, like, the number of competing... It was bigger as far as the number of competing nations at Euros this year. It was the biggest, I assume, based on that continental competition because North America only has, like... Like, the North American Federation is just Canada and the US and a bunch of islands. I think, I think well, technically, right? Mexico, Mexico counts as South America for some reason, if you look at WDBF. So, like... We're the largest federation. We have the largest number of member nations. And because of that, you know, Euros was actually the largest nation-wise, the largest competition. It wasn't as far as the number of teams, because if you count each individual team within Bowman, and Klopp and, you know, divisions, all that, then Worlds wins. But we don't necessarily feel as underdogs coming into this because we're, we don't feel small. And yet it does feel when you're talking to Americans and, and to Australians as well, that like, when they're talking to us in these Twitch chats, they're sort of talking to us as like, oh, this little group of people have just joined. It's like, we're really not that tiny. It might have also looked like we were tinier because this event was hosted in Canada. And so you didn't end up having a lot of the small European nations show up, um, which is something that I'm excited about for future versions of Worlds as we'll get onto. But, you know, even with the fact that it was in Canada, then like we still had some pretty damn good European nations show up and we definitely didn't feel like a small group. But it does have that feeling like when you're explaining the rules and you're trying to like justify cloth to people in a Twitch chat, then you're like, I don't know, you end up on the back foot almost as if you're, you, it feels weird to try and justify the existence of your sport, which is something I didn't, I don't think I ever saw any phone players happen to do. I don't think any cloth, um, any Europeans right. in the chat on the phones yeah. were really being like phone. I've seen people have to justify phone's existence in the UK. Yes. And like in UK leagues and in our little conversations in the pub, people are constantly acting to justify it. But it's different doing that in front of the Americans and the Australians and like going to their faces, you know, explain to me your entire thing, explain the whole thing. Yeah. So I think sometimes it feel a little on the back foot, but then also sometimes it felt not at all like that. And it felt genuine, like people were genuinely curious and, and were actually asking questions to find out more because they wanted to know what our story was, which was nice. It was a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah. I I'd say just a bit of advice for, you know, anyone and okay, you know, anyone from cloth call me out on this if you if you feel like I should shut up. But like my opinion is is that, you know, a bit of advice to WDF and other countries is on like kind of understand the history of EDF and where mm -hmm. we've been as a sport to understand why um you know i think a lot of people were com uh, in the chat felt like cloth was constantly complaining about rule changes and things like that i think if you understand where cloths come from and some of the changes that we've already been through when someone else comes and changes our rules uh you can see why people get 
defensive because EDF rules works perfectly well. I understand that there are issues in terms of practicalities. If all, if, if all the nations that could have turned up could have turned up, I can totally see there would have been practical problems with it. But the EDF rule set works. Everyone plays with it and everyone enjoys it as far as I can tell. It, Euros was a fantastic event. Um, so when someone comes along and changes a whole host of rules, uh, I think people have a right to be frustrated, annoyed because we've already seen these rule set work. Um, it was an interesting one when it came out that, hey, we might be introducing, no, it wasn't, it might be, we were probably going to be introducing a women's cloth court uh, and the logic behind it was something along the lines of due to practicalities of what's on the court, it makes sense to have a women's cloth court and a uh, men's cloth court where from our perspective, cloth has one court. And if you are confused about the number of lines on the court, then maybe change the foam to have only one court as well. Um, mm. That would be my argument is we, we unify it for everyone. It's, it's just one court. You only have to play on one court in cloth. No matter what gender you are, if you're playing mixed men's or, or women's, everyone steps on the same court. It's bizarre to us that foam doesn't uh, doesn't get, uh, get work that way. Um, so, and there are reasons why as well. So that's oh, the yeah, thing is yeah. that there's there's cultural reasons, there's background behind all these decisions, and it's it's funny. Like even in this, we're a podcast where both of us pretty much agree. Like I know what Nick's stance is on a lot of these things, and yet we're already getting weirdly defensive in this, like just chatting to each other about this, which kind of shows like the general worries, I think, of a lot of Europeans joining WDBF and, and going into this competition and sort of looking at some rule changes that happened where there's a worry that we'll be treated as a tiny little, you know, just a little thing that needs to be adapted into it and, like, needs to be slotted into a pre-existing system as opposed to a, an already existing system that has its own, you know, it, it in my mind, they're two different systems and you need to find a way of combining them as opposed to a system in which one needs to slot in neatly. Yeah. Um, and and, and to, I think that's kind of the worry a lot of us have. Yeah. And to, to summarize for, for phone players who aren't aware of this, like the key, uh, GB Dodgeball did a really good graphic on explaining some of the key rule <laughs> changes. Um, so just to go through them quickly, and I'd like, again, these are, if you're a European player or someone in cloth and you've been playing uh, cloth in, in Euros or you play at your home country, then this is why, this is why some of the rules seem slightly different when you're watching Worlds or if you go back and watch it back, why it was slightly different. And from a phone perspective, maybe think about like, these are some of the rule changes that we had to deal with from our, from our perspective, thinking about <laughs> if those changes had occurred in, in your sport and maybe how you would have felt is, is all I suggest. So to, to list through them quickly, Court size change, so um, the way you're throwing from change because the neutral zone changed to a bigger neutral zone. Uh, the court was larger. The games um, increased in length by a third, so they were now 40 minutes, not uh, 30 minutes. Um, and there were two timeouts to, to help this. I think that's to line up with foam. Um, players start on the court instead of off the court. Um, and this is you know another rule that we can go into another time. Um, outs is they change the definition of when you're out, which is a pretty key rule for dodgeball. Um, you're not out until the ball dies, which is not what anyone else is used to in uh, dodgeball as far as I'm wearing cloth. It's definitely not how EDF rules it, and it's, def it's most definitely not how British dodgeball rules it. Um, there have been many debates about this within British dodgeball and European dodgeball as well, because we are aware the rule is probably not perfect, but I think making another change for another format is another discussion to be had. Rebound catches, saving catches being a thing. So if a ball hits me and it goes up in the air and then Zoe catches it, traditional cloth play means that I'm out and Zoe's catch brings whoever was the first person out back in on our team, right? 
with the changes to WDBF made to, to the rule set, it meant that if it bounces off me and goes up and Zoe catches it, it means that I'm still alive. Um, it was quite hilarious watching it because quite and a lot someone of people, comes in. And someone comes in, yeah. Um, so the yeah. first person out still comes in. The hilarious thing about this was, for me, is that you saw all the European players, as soon as they got here, just start walking off, which was hilarious yeah. because they're just not used to it. Um, there's a reason for this. And to be perfectly honest, I think it's a stupid rule. It's so overpowered and it doesn't work in cloth. I can understand the argument for foam. I do understand it for foam, but from a cloth perspective, it's just stupid. Um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, challenges. Teams get two challenges per match uh, if their thing has been an incorrect uh, application of the rules. And also play ball is called after five seconds of having advantage. So as soon as you've got three three balls or more, uh, five seconds uh, play ball is called at, like after five seconds, um, irrespective of whether you're making attempts or not. So if you're going, uh, current rules is if someone's going to make attempts, you don't call play ball because they're on the way to make an attempt. If they fake, then you can say, all right, play ball five, four, three, two, one. Uh, in this case, it's just a case of, all oh, right, you got you got three balls, right, get on with it, play ball. Um, and they are they are the main major rule changes. They're quite significant rule changes, um, to be perfectly honest. And there's not there's not a few of them. There's quite a few of them, in my opinion. Um, and these are the less intense versions of the rule changes. Like we said, there was initially the suggestion to have a women's court, and that suggestion would have come in about four weeks before Worlds, which is frankly an insane time frame for anyone to learn a new court sizing and a new system. But you know, that didn't end up happening. So yeah, so so the only thing that's like from my perspective that's worth saying is that yeah, there are a few a few rule changes there um, for people to get used to. There are a lot to do with unifying the sport with foam, as far as I'm aware. You can see a lot of the foam's influence on it. Um, I think the bit of the, the most disheartening thing for me was is that as far as I could aware, there wasn't anything that bleached over into uh, foam. There wasn't any uptake from foam in some of the cloth uh, cloth logic. Um, mm. I, I'm, I'm going to say my piece now. Keep them separate. <laughs> I, I, I agree with what was said on, um, on the Dodgeball Do's video. I think they are two wonderful sports as is in their own right with their own rule set because the rule set is designed for the balls that they've got and it works. I think it's gorgeous and it, it works. Like let cloth be cloth, let foam be foam. That's my opinion. I, I know a lot of people are saying we need to unify it so we can get into the Olympics. I don't think that's necessary. Um, we need to see what the IOC say when we get there and we have that conversation whenever it happens. Um, but I don't see any reason like there are other sports that exist in both formats that have both medals. So the biggest one that came up in Twitch chat is volleyball. As an example, there is a beach volleyball, which has a medal and there is uh, normal uh, indoor volleyball that has a medal. Um, the other Olympic variant that you can imagine is field hockey and ice hockey. Um, they're both hockey. You use sticks to get them into in, uh, balls into the net. Just one's on ice, one isn't. One's in the summer Olympics, one's in the winter Olympics. That doesn't invalidate one sport or the other. It just means that they are considered considered different and i don't think there's any reason why we need to consider them uh we have to think about unifying them at the moment at least to begin with like just let the sport flourish we're still quite we're quite young as a sport let let the sport grow uh let let cloth be cloth let let foam be foam that, that's my opinion. yeah my my piece on it is i honestly see the value in combining them i also see the value in not combining them i just don't want it to be done in the advantage of one over the other it should be done based on which rules. If you were to combine them, I think it has to be based on which rules do logically make sense for both versions of the sport to have. And it didn't feel as if that's what happened at Worlds this time around. Like we said, I think there was one minor rule change. I can't even remember what it was. A super small rule change that happened with foam 
that as far as I can tell didn't impact me. Playball, that's it. But other than that, like, there weren't any major rule changes, um, which just seems to me like if you're changing, if you're changing so much that even GB has to announce, like, in a multi-image post about, like, describing every single rule change, if that's the kind of level of changes you're making to one version of the sport and the other version of the sport is one thing that changes, that's not equal. And it doesn't to me feel as if you've looked at that properly and genuinely thought about each rule and thought about which ones. Because even in the Twitch chat, you know, we were talking about which rules could be brought over from from cloth and which ones would apply well in, in foam. And there were already people coming up with suggestions and being like, oh, yeah, this this could work. This could be good, which was really nice to see. But also you see that and you're immediately like, OK, so if we were talking about combining the sports, why didn't this get trialed for foam? You know, if that's genuinely what the intention was behind these rule changes, why was it that one version of the sport was so massively impacted and the other one wasn't? So that's not something, you know, if, if we were to combine the two sports, that's not what I'd like to see. I wouldn't like to see a version of the sport that is foam plus a tiny bit extra. Uh, I'd like to see something that's that's basically like half the rules are foam, half the rules are cloth, or, you know, if it's if it's the cloth rule set, use a foam dodgeball. If it's the foam rule set, use a cloth dodgeball. Something like that. Some kind of like weird combination. The kind of it, it, it's a sort of middle ground that will make everyone a little bit unhappy, but it will kind of work. Hey, if everyone's unhappy. Happy. It's the best compromise, isn't it? Right. Exactly. The ideal compromise. But that's you know that's its own different thing. At the end of the day, this is what we got landed with with WDVF this time around for this world. We got this set of rules. Not necessarily what we're always going to have, but that's. I think important context to have going into worlds as far as like what cloth players were kind of looking at when we were going into it, the kind of mentality we were in looking at some of the foam matches. I know that I initially looked watching some of the foam matches, I was enjoying the foam, but in the very back of my mind, I was like, for God's sake, why is this the version that we're adjusting to? Like, why is this the superior form, quote unquote, that we have to adjust to as far as that's how it felt with the ball changes? Yeah, in my opinion, they're, they're different, but it's a horrible saying but different but equal yeah. in a way because like yeah. it it felt like the watching you know for the rugby supporters out there it's like it's like the difference between watching rugby union rugby league you understand the principle of it get all get the opposition out but how you do it and the the tactics that are implemented and things like that it looks completely different um yeah. and everyone has their preferences uh it was quite obvious and i think this is you know going on to the next topic of like um sort of I guess like what came across in the stream and the the cultural differences between the two sports um, is that you know foam love their one v ones. They they seem to absolutely love it. Um, I think cloth like it's not that we don't like one v ones, but we like the team aspect of it. We like we like the chaos that ensues when when one ball goes flying and another person comes and covers, and you get an exchange, and in about ten seconds half the teams are gone, and then you like calm down, and then you realize that it's a one v two. And there's still like a minute 30 and this person has a minute 30 to do something about winning the set. Whereas in foam, it's all about, okay, right. We've got 20 minutes to do something. Uh, let's figure out how to, how to win the set. And your life is so much more important because you, if you go down, then it's very, it's a lot easier for someone to finish off a set in a sort of amount of time. So, um, you know, it's, it's a different perspective on, on how you play the sport, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just different. Mm. Um, Foam to me in that regard has always felt very distinctly North American because it's this kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's the American dream, but it's that that sort of ideal of the individual. It's very individualistic. And I, I said this in the Twitch chat and I think it got misinterpreted by whoever I was talking to at that point. I don't mean that in a negative way. I think that that's really fun 
for certain people to watch. And I think cloth is very fun for certain people to watch for other reasons. It's whether or not you value watching one person stand up against five people and slowly but surely chip away at them over and over again until eventually after 10 ruling minutes, they manage to pull it back. That's that's a brilliant narrative in itself. And, and sports as a, you know, as a viewer is all about the narrative that you're building. So that's brilliant. But then also cloth is brilliant because you end up not with that. You end up with five people all teaming together and all tactically working in this beautiful machine where they happen to support each other and work very, very rapidly to pull things back and, you know, quickly change things around because there's only a certain amount of time left. So it becomes very team based and very much about how much damage can you do as a team? And when you're just one person left in, you basically know that you're screwed unless, you know, if it's 1v4, you're very unlikely to pull that back unless you get a team member in. Uh, and it, it, it becomes this very team-heavy sport, which is, that's its own narrative. It's, it's just two different narratives, and they're both brilliant narratives. I don't think, I, I don't necessarily have a massive preference, actually, as a viewer between the two. I, I do think that they've both got value. Um, but I do think one of them just feels very American, like the whole idea of, ooh, let's I mean, watch I, one I, person be incredible for 10 minutes. It's like, I, do I, we? I, I will, I will defend the other side of it, is that just like watching Malaysia and Hong Kong play foam is just, it's a treat. Um, yeah. but we'll, we'll get on to that in, in, a, in a minute. Um, yeah, the only the only other thing I want to say was um, the refereeing uh, is because um, they had a tough job. Like, thank you so much to all the referees that were there that uh, volunteered to be a part of it. It was really great um, to see people uh, banding together to do it because I know at some stages it was frustrating to see from a cloth perspective, but sometimes there was only one centre referee for cloth. Um, yeah. But it, I, I mean, it shows from an EDF perspective is that if that happened in EDF, we we would band together to make sure there's enough referees, um, and, and we sort it out. But that that's just a, how we work in EDF, and that's like cloth. The dodgeball family is very real in Euros. I implore that anyone from the world scene, if you're in Hong Kong or whatever, come watch us at uh, Euros because I think you'll be blown away by just the absolute thrill of the whole event because it's just. Yeah, it's it's a great event, um, but yeah, Wells looked really good, and I think the referee. You're such like, a they... fucking convert after your first Euros. You're like, oh my I, god, I Euros know. Is the best. it was so good. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, like some of the refereeing, like from a cloth perspective, I think a few people were getting used to referees who referee in a different way. So like ball retriever errors, which is a very big thing in uh, in cloth dodgeball, it can swing the game quite significantly. Didn't see it get called once uh, at, at Worlds. Um, I did see ball retriever errors occur. I think in the chat a few people noticed them and they just weren't called. I don't think it was because the referee didn't notice them. I just think it was because the referee employed the foam variation, which is if they incorrectly got the ball, then that ball goes back to the right team. I think that's just how it's done in foam. Um, but that's something that's very different in cloth and it does have quite a significant impact because when you're in a time set, it does have a have an impact. So that was just another thing to get used to for the cloth players is that um, referees were refereeing slightly differently. Um, yeah, and but yeah, massive kudos great. to the referees for that. That they had to, you know, obviously the players had to ingest a new rule set with three weeks left before a competition. But the refs did as well, and some of those refs were not cloth refs originally. I don't think. I do think that they got quite a lot of Canadians involved. I would imagine because why would someone travel all the way like from Europe to go referee? That's not very many people who could have done that. So it would have been relatively new to the, the sport people that are refing it, and so that's tricky. Like it's it's hard to referee dodgeball, any version of dodgeball. It's so quick, it's so fast paced, um, and it's such an intense environment as well at Worlds. 
I can imagine like any international competition, any high level competition in volleyball is going to be very intense. So um, I would not have wanted that job. And I'm in awe of people who do. I think they are, they really pulled the sport up. Uh, we couldn't do it without them. So massive well done to the, the refs um, for actually, yeah, doing it. <laughs> Yeah, massive props. And this goes on to the next bit. Is just a bit more about the organization and stuff. It's just like the uh, the app, whatever they were doing to update live scores with the website. It was a bit janky at times, but was actually really cool. It works, from my perspective, worked more times than not. Um, it was just a bit weird because sometimes the scheduling was misaligned. That just meant that uh, what you were expecting to see on screen wasn't where you thought it was. But that was nothing to do with the app as far as I could tell. It looked really cool. The way that it came up on stream as well was awesome. I love that. And, you know, final word on the organization for me is that um, amazing job by Dodgeball Canada to get so many sponsors. It's great to see that much support for the sport. Uh, you know, see, having sponsors such as like Canada Air, I think it was Marriott Hotel that was uh, doing the hotels. Yeah. Um, having a fast food uh, uh, one there as well. Getting a dedicated beer uh, provider as well, because we all know that alcohol. Like, it was one thing that Foam and Cloth can agree on is alcohol and dodgeball mix well. <laughs> That's one thing we can all agree on. I would have loved to have seen what the after party was like, because that, that must have been fun. Oh, but um, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, you know, congratulations, like massive congratulations, Dodgeball Canada. You, I think, did a really good job. And um, yeah. from my perspective, one detail. Bit, Sorry, bit, just on okay. the sponsor thing. Yeah, go on. It's, go on. It's no, so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say just on the sponsor thing, the thing that really stood out to me as a viewer was that whole uh, $10 MVP boat thing that they did in the Twitch stream every time. I thought that was brilliant. It was such a small detail, but it's something that you see in so many quote unquote proper sports. Um, and so it was just quite nice to have that be something you could do as a viewer and also just so on brand for Dodgeball. Here's a $10, $10 beverage uh, token that you can go and spend on whatever you want, which obviously was going to be there for 99% of those players, I imagine. And it's just like, how perfect, how brilliant for Dodgeball. I don't know, it, it worked so well as a sponsor and I just really liked that one in particular. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, yeah, no, I I really love that too. And the only thing I was going to say is like a bit of a mushy uh, thought, but I, you know, with how professional Dodgeball Canada made this look, from my perspective, I, you did the sport proud. Like, I, I, you know, like from my perspective, I was like, this is this is awesome. Like we were talking in our little chat um, for the podcast about how cool it is to sit and just watch Dodgeball on the TV. Like we like yeah. we like to imitate it sometimes by putting like YouTube and stuff up, like to rewatch matches, but like having it on the tv and then also like you know and getting involved in the chat it was it was really cool um so yeah it's really good to see see all, all the stuff that was going on there and um you know massive massive props to uh dodgeball canada for it and wdbf um for mm. it so yeah should we get on with um some of the like actual dodgeball that occurred let's talk about dodgeball on this dodgeball podcast <laughs> yeah so <laughs> let's start off mixed cloth mm -hmm. uh Oh, what a, what a game that final was, man! That was so good. Oh, good. Before we get into that, let's go. Let's have a look at the rest of things. So, in tenth, we have Mexico. For this is for our audio listeners. So, we had ten teams for mixed cloth. We had Mexico in tenth, Ireland in ninth, France in eighth, Italy in seventh, Canada in uh, in sixth, Sweden fifth, Australia fourth, USA in third, Great Britain in second, and Austria in first. The only other things we're going to say about this is just so that people are aware is that France only participated in cloth. Um, Italy had cloth squads and foam squads. I believe two different organizations represented Italy for one for foam and one for cloth. That is a whole nother conversation. Um, and 
uh, Australia, USA, Great Britain and Austria, I believe, also had different squads for foam cloth uh, as well. Ireland, um, and I don't know about Sweden, I'll be honest. Oh, Canada also had different uh, squads for foam and cloth, I believe. Ireland um, did their almighty best, massive respect to them, to play as much foam and cloth as possible. I don't know how they tried to do it. They did have to withdraw from uh, foam in the end because of how much of a toll it was taking on them, uh, from what I understand. But uh, massive respect to, uh, to Ireland for that because I think uh, it goes to show how much these people all around the world love dodgeball because they just want to play as much as they can. Um, did you see that they got the, the Spirit Award? Yes, I did. I did. Fully deserved, in my opinion, for, for, for all that they tried to do for uh, dodgeball there. But... Yeah. Um, so thoughts, thoughts, thoughts on the on these results. Yeah, I mean, this one's interesting, and it is just in general quite interesting looking at the cloth results across the board, um, seeing how well the US and Australia did, um, you know, and and Canada as well to an extent, but especially USA and Australia, just third and fourth. You you put there above so many like countries there that have had dodgeball teams for years. Like these are established countries. Italy, Italy's pretty damn good though there were complicated reasons why they didn't necessarily have the same men that we saw at euros for example but you know it's italy is a very good team sweden's a very good team and yet you know usa and australia i don't think i would have predicted them that high up purely just because they didn't have the experience um but they they made that conversion really well um and it's something that i'll probably come back to briefly when we cover the men's cloth but um i think especially men men managed to convert over to uh, cloth really well in both of those two teams. Um, I think the the catching style, I saw them all doing fingertip catches and it made me terrified because that's going to break your fingers. But like it worked. It worked for them and it got them as far as they, they got. And I think they just adjusted quite quickly over to it. Um, and, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why USA and Australia did so well in both cloth, um, both mixed cloth and men's cloth. Um, I loved that final but I'm sure we'll get onto that. You you cover your other bits first, and then we'll talk yeah, about that final. My, my my only thing was going to be um is that Ireland were obviously ran, run off their feet, so they couldn't really give the best representation of themselves, I think, possible because they had done so much dodgeball. Um, but arguably that is the best representation of themselves. Um, but you know it's they are uh, fair play for everything they did. I think France had a rough outing in general. I think um, yeah. Italy we discussed they. They were missing some of their key men players. Um, the Italy women, we'll get onto them later. I just love watching them. Um, Canada mixed again. I Sweden, I don't know what you're doing in mix. Please tell the rest of us or you know, <laughs> maybe just us because you doubled down on a really great result here because you've done really well here getting fifth um, in in the Worlds. But you, you did fourth in Euros and I think that surprised a lot of surprised me i think it surprised a lot of others as well is how well you did at euros and you've done really well here like just incredible playing from them in, in mix i don't know what it is about their mix team in particular maybe it's just like amazingly good chemistry but they, they play really well they know how to pick apart other teams in mix just really amazing uh, play to be honest australia again i know um australia has some cloth background um and they i, I don't know what about this team one thing i will say uh i know uh you know Shout out to the Dodgeball Kit Collector. If you haven't heard of him already, please go follow him. Um, but uh, I know he'll be looking for the Australia kit because that kit was amazing. Uh, also, your graphics on your social media, 10 out of 10. Very jealous. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, loads of positive things to say about Australia. 
USA came with a very simple tactic, I felt, and that was like they had they had a couple of players that had ridiculously big arms and were able to catch anything on a on a track back. Um, they had a very unique way of playing, which was they definitely brought over from foam, which is they always had this. If he had one ball left, they brought it to the middle. Whereas in mm. uh, in cloth, we're used to putting it to the wings. Um, so it was quite interesting to see that happen. Uh, it was hilarious when it happened a few times in the knockout stages because for the very reason we put it to the wings, uh, GB and Austria were able to pick it apart loads of times yeah. um, and take full advantage of it, which was quite funny. But um, yeah, they had like this this tactic of... Be- they had a few, a few players that if you couldn't get out would change the game yeah simply um but that's that's all i have to say the final unless there's anything else you want to say no the final can we talk the about the final fi- can we talk about the final <laughs> of course we can talk about the final what a match uh what oh. a way to start off the finals as well so for those who didn't know it was the first final that was televised on final day let's say televised it was televised because it was on terrestrial i think um yeah it's yeah, televised um so GB versus Austria. Um, so phone, for phone people, GB don't usually represent uh, are represented in Euros because it's uh, the individual nations: England, Northern Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. Northern Ireland and England are in the top three. Uh, Scotland are on the knocking door of it; they're just outside the top four. Uh, and then Wales are sort of like sort of fifth, sixth kind of area. Um, so it's sort of a super mega team of all of them combined, like the best bits of them combined to, to form a team. So. Uh, I wouldn't say these two teams are familiar playing with each other, but they're definitely, from the cloth scene, they've played each other a lot in different teams. So they are aware of each other. Um, and yeah, do you want to you, give, your, give your perspective? What, what happened? Summarize, summarize the match. What, if someone was tuning in to watch it, what, did, what are they in treat for? Uh, what, are they, what treat are they in for? That's the phrase. Yeah, I mean, Austria just ran away with it for a bit there. It was that match, right? They ran away with it for the entire first half. And we were just like, oh, okay, great. Like, I predicted, I I thought it was going to be a very close match and that um, Great Britain might just be able to pip Austria right at the end. But it would be like, you know, one set between them the whole way. Just back. It wasn't that. It was Austria running away for the first half. And then in the second half, GB suddenly, like, finding a new gear. I don't know what was said in that meeting in the, the, the little huddle. (laughs) <laughs> before half time because I remember like just before half time usually like if you see teams getting better just before half time that's an indication that they've already started to find their gear and they can you know get, get better which is what um going back to Euros that's what happened in Switzerland versus Spain was that we got better right before half time and then we soared up in the second half. Um GB versus Austria wasn't that <laughs> GB did not find their gear right before half time. They were really struggling. And then some something happened in that huddle. I don't know what magic words were said. I don't know what people worked out. It didn't even seem to necessarily be that like players were moved around or anything or that major substitutions were made. It was like the team just managed to find a good groove all of a sudden and had worked out what Austria were doing, had worked out to stop giving possession away um, and just started winning. And they basically needed a perfect streak to win the match at that point because Austria were like, I think it was 12-2 at halftime, something like that. So Austria were up by uh, quite a large number of sets at halftime. GB needed a pretty clean run if they wanted to be able to compete at the end of the half. They needed to have not lost any any frames before that end of half. And they didn't. They just kept winning over and over and over again. It was absurd. 
I kept thinking they were going to trip up at some point, and they just didn't. They just won back to back. I don't know how many sets, um, and came so close, and then didn't quite manage to clinch it right at the end. Yeah, I think it was so. GB won the majority of sets. So I wouldn't say it was back to back to back, but it was like it was pretty back to back. Pretty pretty back to back. I think Austria won two sets in the second half. But those two sets proved yeah, but one because, of them was quite near the end. Yeah, because um, what what happened was is that like, and this is why we we love time sets and and the the tension it brings is because because there are time sets, so many sets can occur. Is that GB were down bad at halftime, and because they knew how many sets, it was still doable. They could cut, they could come back, and they very nearly pulled it off because with the times that they had left, there were enough time. There was enough time to finish sets and start new ones and know that there was points to climb back um it meant that austria couldn't time waste they had to win sets to maintain their lead in the same way that gb needed to go out more aggressive to win as many sets as possible and it basically resulted in in a two second decision where gb were down by uh two sets and they were winning 2-1 i think in this set and there was like uh, there was a pause in time. I think there was like 15 seconds left. And it was 2v1, um. two, two British versus one Austrian. No, it was 2v2, wasn't it? And then they managed to get one of them out. It yeah. was, um, it was, was Stefan uh, or was it Florent? Florent? It was Stefan Leitinger and it was, God, was it Weber? I think it was Weber as the girl. Katrina Weber. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, cause, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. So... It was those two left, and there was a hit on um, Stefan, um, and Finn then realised and then went for it, and time just before we threw the ball ran out. So the reason why this was so tense is because if that ball had been released before and he got the out, there would have been a 90-second set, which meant even though GB were down a set, there is 90 seconds if they won one set, that they would tie the game up, which means that they would go for overtime, um, and then it'll be a last set de a decider because in that five seconds or so where it was just like oh we need to hit this last person out that decided the whole state of the game if this person could stay in yeah. the tension in that match right then was so high and all the cloth players recognized it because they knew what the implications were if they got them out and that is that there is potential yeah. that gb can win this game even though at that moment before they threw the ball they were two sets down this is what we love about cloth is that the tension yeah. can build up we saw it at Euros. It was amazing. And it's just, it was a really great game. Really set the scene for uh, the rest of the uh, finals that were uh, that went ahead. Um, I, it was it was a great, 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 uh, great match to watch. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think even the last 20 seconds of that match, you get like Finn makes a catch, Meg White makes a catch, but she makes a line fault just before she gets the catch. So it's an out before the catch, which is, again, heartbreaking because I think that would have been that would have taken out one of the two last Austrians. So that would have given them more time to get the other one out. Like, it's just, it's so many things back to back. GB go down briefly, I think, before that, and then come back up again. Like, it's it's all over the place yeah. um, as a match at the end of it, which is what you want. It's just complete chaos in the best way possible. Yeah. So much is happening, and it's so down to the wire. Tension um, but huge well. kudos to, like, massive kudos to Austria for managing to hold that together. Because I think, you know, it's very easy when you when you go up in the first half to then rest on your laurels and just kind of be like, okay, we've we've done well. We can just play out the time. We don't need to win anything. And it's what we saw. I mean, I was watching this this whole match thinking about Women's Super League in the UK. We had a fantastic match 
or at least I found it fantastic. I know the Spartans didn't. Um, between Leamington Spartans and Bedford Rangers, it's on the British Dodgeball YouTube page if you ever want to go watch it. It is brilliant as a match because Leamington Spartans go up for the first half to a point where you think there's no way that anyone could turn it around. And for context, Spartans are like second in the league at this point. Rangers are second from bottom in the league. Like it's very, very much top of the table against bottom of the table. And then Rangers just turn it around. And it's because Spartans like get kind of surprised by the fact that there's energy. Like Rangers just go at it with all their hearts and that completely catches off Spartans off guard and they pull it back to a draw at the end of the day. Um, and I was thinking about that the whole time that we were watching this Austria GB match because I was like, oh my God, Austria are pulling the Spartans right now. They're completely shocked by GB coming back with this energy. And I think they were for a few sets. And then they picked themselves up and they're like, no, we've got this. This is fine. We're Austria. We're amazing. And just like got their heads back into it and pushed back. And it was because they picked up those little sets that it really pushed it down to the wire. And it, it was very hard for GB to have turned it round at that last bit. Like you said, like, you're chaining up so many ifs there. It's like, if we'd managed to hit that person out, if, if the ball had been released, and if Weber hadn't blocked it, then we would have gone through to a nice second, which if we could have won, then we would have gone into overtime. And it's like, that's so many ifs. It wouldn't have been that many ifs if Austria weren't as good as they were and weren't as good in their mental game. Just turning it around and being like, no, we've got this. We we just we can hold on to this. Um, so huge, huge kudos to, to Austria. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a lot of ifs, but we know in cloth it's very doable. Like it's not. It's unlikely. doable. It happened it's in Sudan. <laughs> yeah, it's not unlikely. I think the um, you know, the only thing I, I forgot to say about people who are watching, uh, to the Dutch that were watching this, there was quite a gang of them in the the Twitch chat, from what I understand, they were watching mm. it. Massive kudos to you guys because, as far as I'm aware, you guys haven't got any skin in the game here. And I, I think you were planning on coming. I I think the Dutch were going to come, but weren't yeah. able to in the end. Um, I think due to costs or whatever. But like, you know to be there watching it um, and being very active in the chat as well was, was amazing to see you guys there. So yeah, round of applause to them. Uh, and also thank you, Austria and GB throughout this, uh, throughout this tournament to maintain my Twitch points for dodgeball TTV, because uh, <laughs> thanks to your results, I said it right at the beginning. I predicted uh, right at the beginning of the final stay that Austria would win uh, mixed and women's and GB would win men's. And I was right. And it was great because uh, I won all the Twitch points for it. So thank you very much. <laughs> Greatly appreciated. But yeah, no, it was an amazing game. Um, so yeah, definitely mm -hmm. definitely worth watching. So on to yeah. the next one. If I get... I always have to sort out my graphics here. Uh, <laughs> so we're doing mixed foam. Foam, mixed, foam, mixed, foam, mixed. Where's that foam? Mixed. That's the wrong one. Beautiful. You've done that really well. <laughs> yeah, I do it every time. I'm so sorry. For the audio listeners, That's Nick is one. once again. <laughs> he's fucked one. up so much. <laughs> it's the wrong one Unprecedented again. levels are fucked up. There we go. Got it, got it. Got <laughs> it. <laughs> I just honestly it's so just... much shit and I just I I literally just show up to the podcast, say my piece. I do so little prep compared to you. Yeah. But yeah, well done, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I just I'm so bad at this. It, all I need to do is pay attention to what I'm doing, but trying to talk and also organize it. Um is No, it's insane. But... Anyway, so um, this was the event that we had the most number of teams in. Um, it was mixed foam. Uh, we had 13 teams, which is a pain for groupings, but hey ho, it's what it is. Um, and uh, we had some great uh, great countries involved. 
I think one thing that I want to point out here is just the number of European teams that made it across to foam. It was great to see USA, Canada, Australia, um, and Mexico putting an effort into play cloth. But to see GB, Italy, Austria, Sweden, and Ireland um, coming across to play foam. And Norway. And Norway. I I mean, yeah, we'll get get on to Norway in a second. But having five five edf nations coming in there and uh and really giving their all in foam you'll see it in mixed men's and women's there's quite a few uh edf teams that came over to bring foam so i think you can say that edf are taking on foam seriously and they do want to uh compete in it so it'd be great if uh i'm looking at you malaysia hong kong uh if you can come over and also bring your cloth uh cloth with you that would be amazing because like just seeing the malaysian and hong kong style of dodgeball in foam is amazing i personally would mm. love to see it in, in the, cl- the cloth side as well because so so much talent but anyway right for the audio listeners in 13th we had ireland in 12th we had norway 11th sweden 10th new zealand 9th austria 8th hong kong 7th great britain 6th mexico 5th italy 4th australia 3rd usa 2nd malaysia and in first place winning their home competition is canada well done canada <laughs> that yeah. sounded so like well done gold medal <laughs> Gets well done. I, I was gonna i was also gonna clap but i had like a glass of iced tea in my hand it also looks like i'm sipping whiskey at the moment because it's got that. so much life to you left so it looks like i'm full-blown alcoholic and and, and, for our, and for our uh regular listeners you all know that uh it's well known that uh Zoe does love her her whiskey. <laughs> I do like whiskey now. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this was so much fun. I mean, Norway, I think we have to talk about Norway first and foremost. I've been obsessed with the Norwegian national team ever since they announced themselves this time I'm around. Obsessed. There has been I'm obsessed. I think they're amazing. I think it's such a cool, it's such a dodgeball story. Um Norway previously did have a national team that went to I think in Cancun they went. Um, but that was as part of a TV show. Uh, this time around, they decided to go as a, a team made up entirely of people who uh, work at the same coffee shop. I believe so, yeah. So that's that's brilliant. Like, what a tradition you're setting up there. Two, two worlds in a row. You've sent the weirdest possible concept for a team. <laughs> like, and, and it's, you know, they beat Ireland. Like, they're not the worst. Well, I mean, Fable. I don't think they beat Ireland. I think Ireland retired. No, I think Ireland dropped out. But, like, it's still, you know, amazing that they went to their first ever international competition, their first ever proper competition. Like, they've trained a little bit against Sweden, but other than that, they've never played, I don't think, against any other um, teams. So their first proper competition, they're flying halfway across the world to Canada to play against people who have been playing this sport for, like, over a decade, a lot of them. That's insane. Like, that's, how how are you doing that? That's so funny to me that you would just be like, yeah, sure, let's go spend two weeks in Canada, spend, like, 2,000 euros, and, like, just get shat on, but have a good time with it and just genuinely enjoy ourselves. And they, honestly, they, they just seem to be having fun. They seem to be having a good time, which is great. That's what you want to see at Worlds. You want to see people just, I think that's what you want to see in Dodgeball in general. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it exactly. In, it happens in Euros all the time. The t- new teams come along, they uh, they play, they get the hook for it, and they see what a fun time it is. And you know, the Dodgeball family that's in yeah. in Euros, and that everyone everyone gets on really well. Um, you yeah, know, it's it's what we like to see. It's you know what we say over and over again. But 
it's what makes dodgeball is people um and i personally i i want to know um and and please you know let, let us know is what what were the vibes in the cafe like while you guys were playing because i want to know was there a free stream where anyone could walk in get a coffee and watch dodgeball in the in the in the cafe because if that's how it was that that would have been so cool but no it's really cool to hear about um like all the uh sort of the vlog style documentary things that they did leading up to going away to play for norway was really cool and the um information that we could get and understand about like what dodgeball was like in norway that it seems to be more um like based off of companies and stuff and organizations saying this is a good outlet for people to to play in it's it's really fascinating to understand um because it's not how it's run elsewhere so um yeah like hopefully you'll be able to uh meet more of us at edf and um see what the sport's like uh, over in in europe and uh, how we play with cloth and and all those kind of things but honestly it's just great to see another team um mm. so yeah uh massive props to norway to for going out there and um having fun because it's such what dodge was about as much as we like to say it's as competitive yeah. as it is but yeah um sorry go on no, I was gonna. I was gonna move on to the rest of the table. I thought Sweden, yeah. as per usual, you know, did their fun Sweden thing. Like they always just seem to have a great time. And I saw so many people um, sharing clips of like Sweden doing their, you know, dropping to the ground thing that we we've seen before. But like obviously we've seen that before in Europe. The Americans and the Australians haven't seen that before. And so it's really it's really nice to just sort of see people experiencing this whole side of of European dodgeball culture. Um, for the first time, all the sort of Sweden doing their um, dance around in a circle, throwing the ball up in the air. I don't know if they did their flute playing warm up thing that they do sometimes, but that's great. Uh, Austria with their boombox, you know, and and their you know various different chants and stuff that also got mentioned in tons of different places. Um, and I think just sort of having those countries there playing in a version of the sport that they're not as good at meant that they kind of got to do more interesting like they got to lean into those silly sides a little bit more um the the, the whole thing is sweet and dropping to the ground i think i did see them do that in one of the cloth matches but i could be wrong yeah they did it but they haven't yeah but they haven't really done it as much i don't think i don't know if they even did it at euros this year they must have done it at least once but it sort of feels like vintage sweden um you know when they weren't actively competing for the higher spots uh whereas you know foam they're going in they know that they're not you know they're not going to win any medals here so they they go in and they have fun with it and i think that's that's really nice to see same with gb it's it's really nice to see these players that are like really established players within our scene who have been playing for for you know years and years and are ridiculously talented at cloth dodgeball and who are so used to winning things and then they go to this and they have to just sort of be like okay we're not going to win this but we need to how are we going to enjoy this how are we going to get something out of this anyway which is something that the rest of us you know those of us who don't play for home nations have to deal with all the time having to you know go into competition switzerland goes into euros for example and it's not about what medal are we aiming to get it's about you know how how do we get the most out of this how do we enjoy this experience for what it is and get the most out of the schemes around us so it's quite nice to just sort of see great britain and austria uh kind of taking a step down from the podium and you know, getting to experience that side of dodgeball again, which I think would have been a bit more of a novel experience for some of those players. Um, but they still put in a good a good shot. I mean, Italy, Jesus, at fifth there for mixed foam, considering considering what we just saw with the mixed cloth, that's actually really impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, again, remembering two different organisations, but yeah, the, different um, 
yeah like sweden just yeah amazing amazing players i uh, love their love their vibe and um yeah it's it's cool because you know sweden been doing so well at euros that uh you know i think it's probably a very foreign experience for a lot of the foam players to having gone through foam going yes we're going to beat them yes we're like you know really taking it to this team and and, and you know beating them handedly or whatever to then uh high-fiving and then getting in a circle jumping around throwing a ball up in the air is probably a bit of a weird scenario it's just like but we've just beaten you are you not like really disheartened like, <laughs> no we've just played a great game of dodgeball and we've just had a load of fun so why not have more fun you know um but it, there, there is a trend i see on this uh this table i'm not sure if you noticed it as well but uh the way that the the championships worked is every position was decided by a final match. So yeah. there was a 5th, 6th playoff, 7th, 8th playoff, and ninth, 10th playoff, 11th, 12th playoff. And uh, it looks like EDF in all of those playoffs won. Um, so you see uh, Sweden be uh, beating Norway, Austria beating New Zealand, Great Britain beating Hong Kong, and Italy beating Mexico. There, there's some like decent teams in there. Um, I, can't, I can't speak for what they're... Um, you know, team structure was like, if this was their strongest squad or not. I imagine it's probably their attitude towards mix was similar to what our attitude towards mix was originally, where they sent a bit of a, more of a gamble team, more of a, uh, you know, focus more on men's and women's, and then mix is a nice afterthought kind of thing. Um, but, you know, GB being able to beat Hong Kong in that uh, game, massive congratulations to GB. I think Austria beating New Zealand as well, and Italy, like, beat Great Britain on the way to beating Mexico as well. Like, Good, good on them mm -hmm. for, for, for that win. But um, no, really, really interesting results. Uh, and I think the the USA, um, Australia, uh, mm -hmm. third, fourth playoff, I think USA quite handily won that. Um, and then, yeah, Canada really took it to Malaysia, which was quite impressive, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't yeah, really have much more to, much to say because I, I don't have a massive opinion on, on foam. It's hard to say. I don't have as much experience on foam, what nations have been amazing in the past. I know in general, Malaysia are really good. I was a little bit surprised Canada won. I know Canada are really good, but when they played in the Atlantic Cup, I know that um, USA did much better in foam than Canada. So I was not sure what to expect. So yeah, well done to Canada. I guess, you know, home advantage really helped, but really, you know, you still needed to go out and beat these teams and, uh, and win. So congratulations, really, really good uh, result. Yeah, I think this one was a bit of a weird one as far as the finals because it was quite a low score line. It was, uh, I think, some of the elements of Bone that I'm personally not a massive fan of, like the long, long, long sets where it's just dragging out. Um, that was something that we saw a little bit in that final where it just it went on for quite a while. And I don't think that that's really, I don't think it's necessarily representative of Bone as a sport looking at how the other two finals went. Um, in this one, it did seem to be that it was sort of dragging out a little bit because you have that bigger court size. And so when you've got the women left over, then you've now just got women playing on a men's court. So it's a little bit of a weird feeling. And they don't play mixed foam anywhere. This is the first time there's been mixed foam, as far as I understand. So, like, you know, this is pretty, pretty weird as a structure and, and pretty novel for everyone involved, I think. Um, but it was an interesting match just as far as seeing how how you can do that, like, you know, building up a little bit of a buffer as far as your points initially and then just draining at the end of the game and sitting on top of your walls, which is something that, you know, yeah, it's it's a tactic and it's it's really difficult to pull off. And I think it was just interesting to be seeing. I think it was mixed mode that was that, right? Like where it, it did just sort of drag out. For yeah, 
I think uh, I think so. Um, and it, yeah, yeah, it was mixed bone. It was just yeah, it it was an interesting match in itself. Like that's a different style to see, um, and and it's quite interesting to see those tactics play out and see how players try and survive and really focus on the dodge element of dodgeball. I feel like dodging gets lost as a skill sometimes. We don't really focus on it that much. Um, but my god, in that phone thing, it was all anyone was doing was <laughs> dodging. So well done to, to Canada and to Malaysia for, for that final. It was, yeah, uh, very... It was a long match. It was it was a tricky match to play tactically, and it very much seemed to be coming down to tactics um, and slower tactics, gentler tactics, which is... Yeah, sort of felt like watching a tennis match or something like that. Not tennis, um, chess. Probably a different thing. But you know what I mean? Like, it's, it sort of went very, very slow, very gentle, um, which wasn't what I was expecting for finals. And even even that being said, you know, the ball's still flying at ridiculous speeds and it's actively high-paced. It was just the same number of players for a while. Um, so it's, it's an interesting match to watch, I think, as far as just seeing how that style of foam can be played played at high level that style of, of very dragged out matches um where it's not super close and where you can't really pull it back to being super close um sets very quickly so yeah. interesting to watch the other phone matches yeah it's, it's definitely like a different experience to see uh you know if someone's down at half time people saying yeah it's possible for them to claw it back but it's it's a very different style of clawing it back and a different mentality i think because yeah. Uh, you know, you've got to make the sets happen. Whereas in yeah. cloth, cloth, you know the sets will come. You just need to focus on executing the plan well. Um, and that's the thing that happened right after the mixed cloth final where yes. we had just seen that. We had seen the epitome of, of someone pulling something back. Um, and so to see essentially the same situation pan out in the two different formats was quite interesting just to see how those formats enable that and, and how that influences the game. Um, which which one would you really rather see? Would you rather see someone pulling back set by set, you know, across 10, 11 sets back to back, having to win every single one? Or would you rather see them desperately trying to finish a set in less than eight minutes so that that way they can, you know, get another set in after that? It's, yeah, it was interesting just from that standpoint, seeing the comparison between them. And a very good batch of dodgeball. Massively well done to Canada for winning that. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, go on to the next one. Uh, I'm going to do it in the same order that we watched it uh, in WDBF. So the next one was uh, Cloth Men's. Uh, so here we are again. So for our audio listeners, uh, we had Ireland in 10th, Italy in 9th, Mexico in 8th, Sweden in 7th, France in 6th, Australia in 5th, Canada in 4th, United States of America in 3rd, Austria in 2nd, and Great Britain winning in 1st. Um, yeah. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is what I mentioned briefly in, in Mixed Cloth, was that it did feel as if USA and Australia and indeed Canada here um, adapted very well as far as their men's players especially, you know, kind of carrying across some of the skills that you talked about with, with just having incredibly big arms that, that that will help you in both foam and cloth. It's a, a skill that transfers very easily. Um, and I think that that was something you really saw in men's cloth, that like those three nations there have all come over France, Sweden uh, and Italy and Ireland as well. But, you know, France, Sweden and Italy especially are not, those aren't little teams, really. Like we said, Italy wasn't quite the same team uh, as we had in Euros, um, and that's a shame. It would have been lovely to see uh, Matteo Mini and Giselli there, but 
it's still a good team, even without those two, you know, figureheads. It's still still a damn good team. Um, so to see them get, you know, so so high up the table, USA, Canada, Australia against those sides, France as well were really good at Euros, um, and and just kind of I think that shows that there are quite a lot of transferable skills between the two, especially in men's. Um, and I think that they did really well to identify those and, and really work on those and hone those skills. Like we said, Australia does have a clock team, but it's uh, not quite to the same extent as in Europe. Um, so, yeah, that, that really stood out. I think it's France. It's a shame that they came sixth. I would have, if you forced me gun to my head to predict this table beforehand, I would have probably put France higher. I think France had such a good Euros and maybe this was just a little bit of a now people know that they're good. They're not going to surprise people in quite the same way. They're not, you know, all the Europeans have adapted to them. I imagine the US, Australia and Canada all had plenty of time to watch back footage and identify their weaknesses in a way that we didn't ahead of Euros. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a shame to see France down there, but six is still nothing to be sniffed at. Uh, that is that is a pretty good score. Um, and yeah, yeah, poor little island there. I'm so amazed that Ireland went. I just, I think they're absolute heroes for going in the first place with all the problems that they had getting a team together and getting the right people over and yeah. deciding which teams to enter. I think it's phenomenal. I wish Colin was here so that way he could hear us talking about how how wonderful we think Ireland are and how how absolutely incredible they are for actually yeah, going. But he's, um, he's, he's still reeling from the fact that we all predict them getting to the quarterfinals at Euros and. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah no in my thoughts yeah i feel the same i think if it was a you know i think france had a bit of a tough outing uh on their way they lost by two sets to canada uh in the quarterfinals mm -hmm. which is, is rough um they then beat sweden and then lost to australia which to be fair australia won uh 22 10 so well done australia um yeah. i think the other thing to know was uh it was interesting in the third fourth no it was i think was it in the third yeah i think it was the third fourth playoffs uh, when they interviewed the player of the match for America, USA, it was interesting hearing his thoughts about the fact that he came from rubber to play cloth um, and that yes. he said that he preferred cloth. It, he, he thought it was nicer. Don't quite know why he preferred cloth, but that's what he said. Um, but it was interesting because like the, I think the uh, transferable skills from rubber to cloth is probably easier and clearer than it is from foam to cloth um yeah so i can i can i mean that makes sense enjoyed it yes we if... we call it a cloth ball but it's it's not a, it's not entirely cloth right it's a rubber gutter rubber bladder rather with cloth on the outside so it does make sense that rubber would be very transferable if you're a, you know if you're playing in the us and you're trying to work out should i test out foam should i test out cloth obviously do both but um try cloth first because it's yeah. probably the one that's closest to what you know as far as the flight patterns of the ball yeah it, yeah it's it, it's similar in that way um but yeah no it, like i think they had that that ability to have some of the rubber players which which came through um and yeah i think the reason that they uh, just okay i mean it was the men's that austria v usa they had two matches one was a draw and one was the comeback that austria had on usa i mean usa had to play both great britain and austria in the men's i think um, and the Great Great Britain came back to beat them, and I think Austria also came back to beat them from being down, um, which is a you know tough one for for America to swallow. But um, they they were they were good games. Uh, I know it was the mix that uh, USA and Great Britain played in. I think, but yeah. 
yeah, no, like Austria did really well to adapt uh, and learn from what had happened before and, and know how to come back and play them. And then the final itself, like I felt the final was another one of those ones where between GB and Austria, the sets were quite close. Um, there weren't there wasn't too much deciding the sets. They did kind of go this way, that way. Um, and Austria were never massively out of touch with it, but GB did enough to constantly win more sets than they lost. I know that sounds really... Yeah. obvious because they won the match but <laughs> with the way that the games go is that you know if you win two and lose one then win two and lose one yeah. you're going to win but it it feels closer because you go from all right we just lost one right reset our heads uh, and i think that's that's really my perspective on what happened but gb played really well um you know brett played really well made some really big catches um i think uh just the whole gb team really came together i think um i think it's it was adam hill as well uh, he, he played pretty mm -hmm. well, uh, and Smurf as well. Um, all, all had a good, good game, and uh, being able to see the calls for Steve answered at the end, where uh, Steve made his uh, appearance there in the final, it was great. It was mm -hmm. great to see everyone play, but it was a really good game. Um, I think it was a little bit more one-sided than the other finals um, mm -hmm. for for different reasons. I don't but... think I don't think any of us were surprised by it being a little bit more one-sided, considering England can beat Austria, Northern Ireland can beat Austria. If you make a super team that has the best of England, the best of Northern Ireland, and the best of two other nations as well, you're going to have a team that can probably beat Austria. Not necessarily, because it does come down to team chemistry, but mm, unsurprisingly, they, they could beat them. Um, and it's, it's like you said, it's one of those matches where I'm sure stepping off the court at the end, it would have been like, wow, the, the scoreline does not reflect how well we played there. If you're an Austrian, you know, you'd be stepping off looking at that scoreline going, God, that doesn't feel accurate. And it's, it's literally just it's... Two, two steps forward, one step back constantly over and over again, you're going to end up with a scoreline that's twice as high on the opponents as on your side, and it really doesn't feel um, accurate to the game. But it was, yeah, it was a good game. I think Austria fought really well, but like you said, there were some there were some players who were just having like the match of their careers during them. Um, this is incredible. And obviously Brett coming from his back injury. I, I just felt um, like Brett was broken from what I could tell, but I have no idea what his actual injury yeah, was. So. <laughs> he he <laughs> had something that meant he couldn't play, and then suddenly he could play in the finals, and he stepped on court and just played ridiculously well. Um, yeah, Anne Hill, I think, as well, played really, really well um, and adapted throughout the game. I thought he got better throughout the game, um, which is always really nice to see when someone just evolves and starts working out what's working for them, what's not working for them, and... and grows and grows and grows throughout the match that's such an important skill and, and quite an underrated skill in a player so like, yeah. nice to watch just really good dodgeball really, really yeah good really, really really good final um yeah well deserved gb uh yeah i don't really have anything else to say on that one it's just a good game go watch it <laughs> good game <laughs> good game ggs uh right on to the next game which was foam and Men's. So for our audio listeners, the positioning was Ireland in 12th, Sweden in 11th, Austria 10th, New Zealand 9th, Italy 8th, Mexico 7th, GB 6th, USA 5th, Hong Kong 4th, Canada 3rd, Australia 2nd, and Malaysia in 1st. Um, should I start this time? Um, so obviously, unfortunate for Ireland having to finish uh, 12th. Um, I think, you know, Austria still, learn I don't think they've got as much foam experience as GB have. And the fact that we play um, the foam leagues or the foam series in the summer, 
Um, so GB have a bit of experience in foam. Uh, I think it showed with uh, with their ability to finish sixth. Um, but Malaysia played so well in that final to to beat Australia. That was a really fun game to watch from from a cloth perspective. Watching that game uh, in foam, like it was it was impressive. Impressive. Malaysia just did. I guess it must have been really frustrating for Australia to play. Australia played a format which I'm more familiar with, and it was more aggressive and more. Um, I don't know. It, it felt more teamwork based, um, and it was really enjoyable to watch. Malaysia played a really good dodging game. They were very defensive yeah. and only spent balls when they needed to, um, and that's that's ultimately why they won in the end because they were able to tactically see out the match. Um, the only sorry, the only other thing going back a step, the only thing I'd say, I think uh, we saw it in the mixed foam result in uh, with the USA's positioning, but I imagine USA are probably not the the most thrilled with their results in foam overall um i think they were in one third fourth playoff final if i remember um so yeah a bit of a rough time for usa uh yeah they they were in the mixed uh third fourth and they came fourth i think um i don't know we just did that one i can't remember um but yeah so probably a bit of a rough time for for usa but on the plus side they did really well in uh cloth so you know some some takeaways i guess for them to to go in you know see see where they're at but other than that i think australia and malaysia played really well there's some really good uh really good final um and from a cloth perspective i actually i actually enjoyed that game <laughs> um to watch i didn't know who yeah to root for i would agree <laughs> i think malaysia australia again like, like you just said i i didn't know who's root for i was just watching it and having fun watching it i think it was such a quick fast-paced game um, it was a lot of sets as well, which I know we keep harping on about it, but it is the, probably the biggest bugbear that a lot of players have with foam is the lack of set timers. And when you look at a match like that, you're like, well, you don't really need them if you're playing sets that quickly. Like, you basically are playing with set timers. You're just not officially doing it. Um, it was so quick. It was so fast-paced. Um, such a, uh, just, yeah, brilliant. It was really interesting to see, like you said, a, a team like Australia that was, kind of what we're more used to seeing. It's sort of the style that some of the top men's teams in the UK play. Um, you know, if you're watching, if you're a UK listener, viewer, then, you know, watching Spartans, Meteors, those kinds of players, that's kind of what Australia were playing like. Whereas Malaysia were just so springy and impossible to hit. And it's, I think it's one of those skills, like I said before, I think dodging has become somewhat underrated and not necessarily fashionable. Uh, within UK leagues, like especially in men's leagues, it seems to be very focused on, you know, let's brute strength our way through it. Let's let's throw faster than everyone else. Let's catch better than everyone else. It's not always about making yourself small and, and dodging out the way. And that's why when you look at these teams, when you look at Meteors, for example, then there are all these tall, you know, long-armed, big, strong boys. Um, <laughs> like, it's that's not necessarily what you see when you look at the Malaysian team. They're, they're very strong throws as well, but it's a different style of throw and it's much more focused on the dodging. And I think that's actually something really interesting to watch and think, what can we take away from that as cloth players? Can we take that and can we bring that into the cloth game? Can we, could you have a team play that style? Could you have a team that plays a very dodge-heavy um, style in cloth that just sort of aims to take one or two players out and then dodge the rest of the game? Um, could that work at bringing you to the top of the table? Because clearly it's worked at the height of foam in in the world. So why why wouldn't it work for us? Why wouldn't it work 
for anyone else. Um, so that's something really interesting just from a coaching standpoint as, as, as a dodgeball fan, like watching that and being like, what can I take away from this? Um, but brilliant dodgeball, really fun watching two completely different styles meet each other and, and seeing what comes out at the end of it. And then, yeah, like you said, I, I don't think there's much to say on the rest of the table. It's You've covered it pretty well. I think Austria and Sweden coming that that low down, as it were, quote unquote, is not surprising considering I wasn't that big yet. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that'll change in two years' time. Yeah. Um, I think anything, like going back to the dodging that you were saying, I think something that I, I felt I picked up in watching, but I didn't, I didn't, I'll admit, I didn't watch loads of foam, um, is that I felt jump dodging is less a lot less common in foam because there aren't as many advantages to dodging uh jump dodging in foam because of the way that blocking works um yeah and the way that the foam dodgeball bounces around means that it's more likely to roll up on you and therefore when you jump up and you block you're more likely to get it to ricochet onto you whereas if you jump up and block in cloth because the balls are so springy and they go flying is if you get a good block on it, it's not going to hit the rest of your body as long as the blocks in the right place. Yeah. So, but the only exception to that were Malaysia who were springing all over the place. Uh, I think Australia yeah. were, were doing it to, to, to an extent. And I think, uh, you know, Hong Kong also uh, as well, but I think the rest of the teams were very much more, it was more about getting as small as possible in the corner so that when you block, you're blocking a angle so that the ball is less likely to roll onto you because of the way that the foam ball bounces and also the foam ball rolls. So I think it was a really interesting one to see. Um, and it's just a different style of playing because I think you saw in the cloth game, people were hopping all over the place when they were on the back on the back track uh, to jump. They were either uh, jumping to get out of the way or hitting the deck. And um, you saw definitely a bit more of a mix up, but um, to varying yeah. of success, I guess. But yeah, that's the only other thing I think I the... that. Yeah, from that, then trying to think of like an equivalent team that I've seen do that to good effect, but I think could do it better is Wales, the the Welsh men's team at Euros, um, had quite a lot of very springy, very light, very you know, glittery little players that were kind of moving all over the place, and they didn't necessarily do amazingly well at the end of the day in the tables. They didn't do badly, um, but they didn't do like amazingly well. But I genuinely think like if they focused on that style if they look at how Malaysia plays and kind of take a few tips from that and, and actually hone in on that instead of trying to like mimic a team like England you know don't view that as being the height of cloth dodgeball think how do we how do we beat that instead of how do we mimic it um don't try and, try and beat them at their own game and actually look at a team like Malaysia look how well Malaysia did against a team like Australia and and yeah I think you could fully see if if a team like Wales has that that set of players, you know, you're basically just analysing what players you've got and then seeing what structure works best for them. I think that could be something really interesting for, for well, Wales men to look into in the future. Yeah, no, that's a fair comment, I think. Um, so, yeah, on to the next one. Uh, we've got two more to do. So much, so much dodgeball. <laughs> Way right. too much dodgeball. Women's cloth. Uh, for our audio listeners, Mexico 10th, Ireland 9th, Sweden 8th, Canada 7th, USA 6th, France 5th, Italy 4th, Australia 3rd, GB 2nd, and Austria top. Thoughts? Thoughts, yeah. Um, like I said before, it was more in, pronounced in the men's that they were doing well in cloth. Here it's less so. Australia did very well, but Australia does have a bit of a cloth total scene. USA and Mexico coming and Canada as well coming a little bit lower down in the table, though notably ahead of Sweden except for Mexico. So like that's 
that's pretty impressive for them to to still come middle middle of the table. But I think it does say something about just the adaptations. There's a bit more of a gulf that you have to bridge as a woman's phone player if you're crossing over to a woman's cloth versus a men's phone player moving over to men's cloth. You have to, you know, the, the women have to deal with the fact that now the court size is bigger, you've got to throw further, you've got to deal with the fact that the balls are a different size and are a tougher material. So a lot of players can't necessarily throw as powerfully at the start as they can with their foam dodgeballs. They can't necessarily get the grip right, at least in your first year. I, I would say most players grow out of it within like six to 12 months, which is a little bit of an annoying time span because a lot of the US and Canada players probably have only been playing clock for six to 12 months. So it was probably just as well kicked in that they were starting to get a real hang of that ball throwing technique. Um, so that's you know that's something that I'm sure will change pretty rapidly. It's it's just a, a learning curve issue, um, but obviously that didn't hold them back. There's still other things you can do, um, even if you can't throw the ball as strong as you're used to. You can still a throw it pretty damn well, to be honest, and b catch, um, and you know play other things. And and in women's cloth, catching is such an important skill. Um, so I think they did really well on that side of things, and then. That final Austria, Great Britain, I think we were kind of sat around hoping that we're so used to seeing Austria win for like non-European Speak listeners. For Austria yourself. won like. <laughs> Speak for yourself. You do what you're saying here does not represent me, but I'll let you I was, I was, I was hoping to see Austria really get like a really tough challenge in women's cloth because Austria have won like what is it four euros back to back now um in women's cloth it just feels like there's nothing that even comes close to them um in in the women's cloth game at the moment and so i was really excited to see you know mega team against austria let's see you know this is the best of the best maybe this will be able to do some damage against austria and i think they gave them a good good run for their money but um no <laughs> austria is just ridiculously good they're so talented they're such amazing cloth players i think Anyone looking to get into women's cloth or anyone currently in women's cloth who wants to get better, look at Austria, look at what Austria are doing, look at their league footage, look at their match footage from Euros and just like learn from that because they are far and away the best players in women's cloth and, and they just they had a phenomenal tournament um, and they had a phenomenal end to the tournament as well. They're just I fucking love Austria. I think Austria women are just incredible and like like you said, you obviously wanted them to win. I also thought that it would be neat if Austria won, but I also thought it would be neat if Great Britain won. I just wanted it to be a really close match, and it wasn't as close as I would have liked, but I think Great Britain did well. They did better than I thought they might, to be completely honest. Um, and they seem to be having fun with it and, and playing a little bit more of a loose and interesting game rather than England. The finals in Euros between England and Austria felt... I, I think my heart broke a lot for England watching that match because it just felt like they were stressed out their minds and were just not having a fun time. And I'm sure, you know, maybe it was different watching it in person. And if you could actually see the face of those GB players, maybe it was just as intense. But it did feel as if, like, even getting to that final against Austria, that was enough and that they weren't putting themselves under as much pressure. They didn't have the weight of four silver medals hanging over their heads they could actually go into this and just try and do their best instead of beating this infuriating history that they've got in England. Um, and just, you know, go go at it with a fresh, a clean slate as GB. I think that's, that was nice. It was nice in general to see that with GB, that they, all these players that play for different nations were kind of free of that, with the reputations that those nations bring. And they could just kind of 
create new history for themselves, as it were, as cheesy as it sounds. Um, I particularly felt that with the, with the women's teams, with the women's cloth and with women's foam, as I'll get onto in a bit. But um, yeah, massive kudos to Great Britain for giving Austria a bit of a challenge. But, um, yeah, they're too good. Yeah, I mean, so to go back onto some of the things you said, um, the uh, for for you, for, well, for for women coming from foam, the size of the court is only yeah, it's slightly bigger. It's not a massive change. It's not as big as a change, I think, that cloth players were having to deal with. Yeah. Uh, to go from from what they're normally used to, I think it's well, it might have been about the same actually. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, but yeah, fun. but I think the the massive thing for me is that I don't think this necessarily puts bad shade on USA or Canada. I think it speaks volumes to the team that France and Italy are building in the women's team at the moment because like women's Euros is going to get so interesting in the coming years. Like the Italy women and the Italy uh, and French women are just like they're just great. They're just amazing to watch. I love watching both <laughs> of those teams play. They are amazing players. And to any foam people who aren't fully aware, for those that say that our oh, foam's too fast paced and have tactics or whatever, this is a prime example of why cloth has tactics. Because if you go and watch a cloth dodgeball game, uh, women's dodgeball game and a men's cloth dodgeball game, the tactics on it are quite different. And what's important in the mm -hmm. games are very different women's dodgeball uh, is cloth dodgeball is much more catch heavy um, and you have a lot of swings in it as uh, swings in the three minutes uh, as a result of it whereas men's is much more hit heavy and more about the counters and the uh, covering side of it um, not to say that's not in the women's as well it is just to a lesser extent so this is a prime example of why tactics really matter um, and Italy's Fran and it's France's sort of game structure and style is you know the commentators the uh canadian commentators and american commentators uh they, i can't remember who it was but so one of them mentioned um how impressive it was that the french and italy women like you know they're so small but they can grip this ball so well it's like yeah they can they can throw it down hard too and like yeah. we watched it at the euros and just seeing the, these teams come out is like these are not teams to be messed with these are in italy and france i'm just i cannot wait to go to croatia and watch them because just like it's the the women's competition side of it is probably going to be the most competitive dodgeball uh that, that we see and it's just going to be amazing to watch all these teams play um you know Austria did a really good job uh, in that final against Italy I think Matteo had a very good point it's just the Italy women look absolutely exhausted they were run off their feet like fair play yeah. to everything that they'd done and if Italy had kept up the high tempo they had in the second half against Australia I think they could have no offense Australia I think they could have walked past Australia I think Italy's high tempo form of the game, the women's when they they were able to do it, um, is is scarily good, um, and it showed yeah. in the the second half. They really went out. They were really aggressive, and they won loads of sets in a very short amount of time because of it. Um, it's just that it's difficult when it's two twenty minute halves, um, which is you know an extra ten minutes of dodgeball that you're used to on a bigger court, more running to do. It it takes its toll. Um, so I fully understand, um, you know, that Italy were having to, to face that down and maybe they weren't able to do it. And Australia had maybe a tactic and a style that suited them better for it to be slower. Um, but that Great Britain-Austria game was just like, to, to explain to the viewers at home who, who didn't watch it or like can't really remember, Great Britain took, I think it was a 9-5 lead at halftime. Uh, they, were yeah. up, they were up at halftime. Great Britain played it. Solid which is only players. up by two sets though if yes, you're a foam person that's only two sets that you're up by because it's yeah. two points per set yeah so two sets behind and um really close game 
but Great Britain had taken the league. And they looked pretty darn impressive in the first half. It didn't really feel like... Austria were making some mistakes at times. They were making throws and GB were just catching them. They just seemed to be on a catching roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and just some great decision-making by the GB women. Like It was really incredible. I don't know what happened in that Austrian team talk at halftime in the same way that uh, you know the GB men uh, mixed team talk was pretty incredible. The Austrian women's uh, team talk was probably even more so in the fact that they just I think they dropped one set in the second half like Austria like ran away with it they clawed it back and ran away with it and it was just so impressive and this is where I'm going to put it out there and you know some people may disagree with me so I think Austria now five times Euros champions um they they they've the only time that they've lost as far as I'm aware was in the 2018 World Cup when they lost to England in the final it's the only time that they lost from my understanding so i would find it hard to say that there are any other team in the international format um in any mode that are as as much of a winning team or as consistently high performing as austria women i think right now they have the greatest dodgeball team international dodgeball team of all time sewn up right now i don't think anyone else comes particularly close uh austria's men are just uh women are incredible um and it's just it's a treat to watch them every time they're just such amazing players such an amazing style of dodgeball really enjoyable to watch um yeah just just love watching it but yeah i, I mean i could go on on, on and on about they're the really uh, stream women yeah they're really the definition of dominant like they're they are i can't see them getting any i mean they could you know you don't never know what's going to happen in the next few years maybe next year is then like England will suddenly find a new gear and, and beat them. But as it is at the moment, you know, I don't think any of the matches I've seen Austria play, it's not as if like, oh, maybe on a different day, England would have won that match. Or in this case, GB would have won that match. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like, no, on any day, in any situation this year, Austria would have won those matches. They are that dominant. It's not luck. It's not a couple little plays here and there that went in their favour. It's consistently playing at a higher level than GB have access to at the moment. You know, GB sometimes manage to, they, they get, they hit that point sometimes, but they don't manage to stay in it consistently. Whereas Austria weren't quite in it in the first half. And then we're like, oh yeah, shit, we're actually amazing. And just stepped into it and then stayed there the entire rest of the time. Whereas GB was just jumping in and out of it. Um, yeah. So it's that, that consistency that Austria has is just absolutely insane and completely unrivaled in the wounds. We, we, we say we say in other sports as well right is that you know if you can win a game and you know you haven't performed your best that's scary right because like austria didn't perform their best in the first yeah. half and they still went out and won that game comfortably in the end um that's terrifying yeah. and and like for an exact like to for the phone people <laughs> like to understand how terrifying this is right is Austria played terrible in the first half, or well, not terrible, but they didn't play as well in the first half, and then ramps yeah, it up a gear and won, yeah, and won amazing, like won comfortably in the second half. Great Britain are made up of uh, in the Euros, uh, England came second, and Northern Ireland came third, and then Scotland and Wales women, I think, came like fifth or sixth. I can't, I can't quite remember, but it's a, a combination of the best players of, of that. And if Austria are able to take on set like a combination of second and third place and still beat them and still have a first half like they had, just on like honestly, like full congratulations to Austria for that medal. Fully well deserved. And, you know, I'd 
yeah, it's amazing to uh, to watch uh, watch you play. Um, really, really love it. So, but anyway, that's that's all I have on uh, women's cloth. On to the final one of foams, foam women. Uh, not foam women, women's foam. Um, so uh, yeah, I'll fi I'll finish this one off. Uh, so Sweden in tenth, Mexico ninth, Italy eighth, New Zealand seventh, Great Britain sixth. USA 5th, Malaysia 4th, Australia 3rd, Hong Kong 2nd, and Canada 1st. It's worth noting that uh, Austria didn't put out a women's team here. Ireland didn't put out a women's team here either. Um, so that is why there are only 10 teams, because some of the cloth teams didn't bring uh, a women's, or they didn't play a, a women's foam, um, which, which, you know, is, is fair enough. Um, so, yeah, uh, well done to those that played. Um, my perspective on what happened is I don't really know too much about all the placements i just know it was great britain managed to bring it really close to usa losing in a maybe an overtime set or losing by one set to usa which really well done to the great britain women for that um australia women looked so good over malaysia in that third fourth playoff i, I i'm not gonna lie and, and canada did a really good job of holding hong kong back i think it canada got up to a lead and just managed to fight hong kong off even though hong kong really came back um and it was really close in the end. It came down to like kind of like the the mixed uh, cloth. It kind of came down to the like final set of whether or not Hong Kong were going to be able to draw it up or not. Um, so that was a really exciting game to watch as well, uh, especially after the match we just watched with uh, with GB versus Austria women. So you know, really good, really good game to watch as well. Um, and you know, that's even from a, that's a cloth person talking. I, admittedly, I went to bed at this point, um, but I did I did watch some of it back afterwards. <laughs> Because I was a bit curious, um, and hey, it's a good it's a good sign if a cloth person in Europe is uh, going to bed and coming back to watch it because they're actually curious about it. Because um, you know the game the game was really good, really well played in the end, um, and well done to Canada for securing your second gold medal. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I do I do think massive props to Great Britain for for really pushing USA women's there in the in the in the fifth sixth playoff. Unfortunate about the result finishing sixth, but. I think being sixth in the world in women's phone is something really to be proud of. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the final between Canada and Hong Kong, similar to Nick, I had gone to bed by this point because I had a migraine. Um, <laughs> we both texted each other at some point late on Sunday night being like, I'm dying. Am I allowed to sleep yet? Can I go? <laughs> um, but obviously watch the match back. And like it is, it's a, it's a good match. It's a very good match. And it's, it's yeah a novel experience for me as someone who's not necessarily i'm not against foam i'm you know i play foam as well but i don't think i've ever like watched back a non-live foam match before um and so that that was quite a novel experience just being like oh i actually i actually want to watch this like i actually am invested enough in this that i want to i want to see what the outcome of it is and and just see how these players go even though i i don't know anyone in the canadian dodgeball scene i don't know anyone in the Hong Kong dodgeball scene uh, I have no investment beyond just the fact that actually it was really damn good dodgeball uh, the whole way through the tournament. And yeah, massive kudos to, to Canada for winning. I think that's, you can see how much it meant to them, both those goals. Like, I just think it must feel incredible to win. I, I, I don't think necessarily Canada were pitched to be the the gold medal winners in anything necessarily. You know, they, they were obviously in the sort of muddle, but I don't think I expected Canada to win um, not at least definitely not two gold medals um and their medal haul in general was pretty pretty damn impressive their, their scorings in general just brilliant um so that must be a brilliant feeling you know in a home 
world to do that well. Um, so, so a massive kudos to Canada. Um, but yeah, GB to me, I mean, that GB women's team, uh, for foam especially, it was just, it was really nice to see a team that was so filled with like girls who, in my opinion, it was nice to see all these girls who haven't got to play at that level before because they don't tend to get selected for cloth teams um, and, and just sort of see all these very talented dodgeballers who some of them I do feel have been a little bit overlooked and just see them actually all come together on the world stage and all, I don't know, it's it's nice seeing all these people, you know, just hanging out together and having fun with it. And they did, they just seem to be having so much fun with it and talking back to, you know, people like Lucy Barrington, who I know listen, so I have to give her a shout out. Um, but, you know, talking to her about her experiences, it just sounds like it was so much fun uh, in a way that sometimes, I don't know, it doesn't always feel like some of the Home Nations teams have as much fun as they could at these dodgeball things. And you're like, there's a small part of your brain that's like, for fuck's sake, just have fun. It's dodgeball, like, enjoy it. And watching GB Women's Bone in particular, they just, they had so much fun. And they had so many, so many talented debuts in that squad. You know, you had you had Lucy Barrington, obviously, but Holly Gedling, who I hadn't even thought about the fact that she's basically, she played, I think, one of the home nation's little playoffy things that they did in 2019, but she's not played on the world stage or at Euros before, which is absolutely insane to me. Brilliant player. Um, you had Jintare, who plays for Derby, who was a phenomenal player. And I think just, yeah, all these sort of debuts across the whole of G GB, not just in women's phone, but like across the whole thing. It was really nice to see new players be integrated into the squad and really take that opportunity with both hands and run away with it and enjoy themselves. Just really have fun with it. Um, I think, I think, yeah, that was something that foam offered it. So I, I said it before, the, the ability to not have that pressure of being the best team going into something, I think must be really freeing for some of those players who play at the highest level all the time. Um, I know I really enjoy it. Euros playing for Switzerland. Like it's, it's a really nice feeling and it does, completely change your attitude towards the competition. And I think teams like GB, like Italy, like Sweden, especially, you know, they kind of just had fun with it and really enjoyed themselves and had a nice holiday with it as well. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah Queen the best part of Queen Bees are definitely expected to be table toppers all the time, right? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Queen Bees are top of We're currently top of the Super League because nothing's happened. So all oh, of us are tied oh, at well... first. Oh, yeah, tied. Okay, fine. Fine. Yeah. Um, We're not alphabetically first. Yeah, I was going to say that's still Bedford Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> still, still Bedford Eagles. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was really good. I think I like just summarizing the whole like medal hall and stuff. So you had Malaysia and Great Britain with one gold medal, and Canada and Austria coming away with two gold medals. Um, <laughs> like I think you know, from my perspective, I think Austria achieved very much what they were hoping for i think gb also achieved what they were hoping for i think they were maybe disappointed in some places but i think they could be very very proud of how they did especially in foam i think the results mm -hmm. in foam uh is ridiculously impressive um for some of the teams that you're playing against like uh you know hong kong malaysia uh that result in mixed against hong kong is just amazing uh to really push usa in the women's like that just just some really great results all around i think um I would have. I kind of wanted to see Malaysia do do better. I, I do know some Malaysian people. Not that play dodgeball, but uh, I do know some uh, Malays. But they just. So I am sort of like secretly do have a little bit. Sorry, of that sounds so much like. Well, I actually have a black friend, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
no, no, no. I, uh, anyway, I've got I, some friends for that. Some but, uh, legends, you know. Yeah, I know. So that's know that's, that's legends, why I support definitely. like like on on the DL. <laughs> I support Malaysia a little bit. Um, so I was, you know, no offense, Australia. I was supporting Malaysia a bit, but uh, no, it was really great to see um some some great some great uh some great sport and some great dodgeball and then, like some of the comments we got uh in was about like cloth finals were the best matches but the parity across the foam team was much more interesting yeah i do agree i think the one thing i do have to say about that though is that i think some of the games felt more equal because the scoring system is different so it's only one point mm-hmm. per win rather than two point i think cloth it does there are there is more parity in some ways um but then yeah i think some of the people I spoke to from the USA, they were very, they were very cute to the situation of yeah. Against some of the cloth teams that went over from Europe, they were above, but they were still quite a step behind GB in Austria, and and it showed. And I think, yeah, we we feel that in in Euros as well. Um, but yeah, no, um, that's it for for the results. That's it. We've done it. We did it. We finished. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, um, that went on so much longer than I was expecting. It yeah. We were just like, yeah, we can knock this out in like half an hour, two hours later. <laughs> it's always fucking two hours. No matter what we do, it's always, it's always two, two hours, hours long. I know. Elliot Paul... Webb's fault. He's the one who said that podcasts <laughs> need to be two hours long, and now we're doomed. He's we're cursed doomed. us. Always two hours. I mean, Carl's going to wake up in the morning and be just like, guys, you did two hour podcast. What the what hell? The <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to summarize, like, um, I guess the other thing to talk about is uh 2024 rumors it's not officially announced rumors of where is the next uh um world championships going to occur is as far as i can understand it might be in austria uh in 2024 so i believe the format is going to be in 2020 every other year is worlds and every other year is euros um i have not had this confirmed by anyone this is just vicious rumors swirling around i could be very wrong so if you're listening to this in 2024 i'm so sorry i ballsed up but i'm just trying to give a bit of information from what we can go on so the rumor is that uh, austria might be hosting in 2024 so it'd be really great to have world championships in europe um as we were meant to have them before covid in in gb so uh it'll be great to hopefully be able to get to that one um and yeah so that's really exciting um and hopefully we'll see more european teams in the cloth uh the cloth yeah. uh leagues because it's in it's in europe so and african nations it's left far physically to travel um compared to traveling all the way to canada so i am slightly hopeful that some of the african nations especially north africa uh and maybe i don't know if there's middle east in dodgeball yet but those kinds of areas um could be interesting to see if those show up to the next world it's, it's exciting having it somewhere like europe it'll be yeah obviously we're massively biased but <laughs> it'll be good i'm very excited no just a little bit right <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no it'll be really exciting um so yeah looking forward to that in other dodgeball news unless there's anything else you want to cover in w- on worlds in no, w- yeah. no. Okay. Other dodgeball news is uh for our british friends you will be aware that uh the leagues were posted during uh the world's uh tournament which i i don't know i don't know whether british dodgeball did that intentionally just to slide it in there so if there was any mistakes no one would notice um but no i i noticed i picked up on it um so schedules are up fixtures are up uh and the leagues are up it's going to be a great season and uh we're really looking forward to it especially women's super league after what we had last year um so we will be covering that um obviously because we play in it 
um so we will be covering i think we'll do a, uh we'll do a watch out for a pre nationals episode in mid-october um so yeah, yeah look out for that um yeah Hit that like and subscribe <laughs> oh you beat me to it yeah so don't forget to like and subscribe uh follow us on social media to all our um european friends that have listened i hope you thought our opinions were all right and we didn't didn't dissipate too, too much it was great chatting to so many of you in the uh twitch chat and uh, to our phone friends that might have joined us on this episode um i hope you enjoyed hope you get interested in cloth uh, and see what's going on in Europe because it's a really great scene and um, you know we, we love it we love being a part of it so um, yeah it's not that we're it's not that we're really super defensive and and we're like oh yeah everything's stupid about foam we have our own sport so come come and have a look at see and see what we have to offer um, but yeah don't forget to hit like and subscribe um, follow us on Facebook and Instagram we'll be having all the maymays out there and um, we'll be updating when our podcast is out on there as well and you can. Click the links if you want to go check out our other um, podcasts that we covered. We covered Europe. Um, and yeah. Can I point out you've written this in a fake Italian? Give it a like and subscribe. <laughs> I did this very, <laughs> very rushed, okay? I was just like, oh, wait, there's only two of us tonight. I need to redo all the graphics. Uh, and then this was the one graphic that I realized I'd not saved anywhere. So I had to make it from scratch yep. again. So I was like, oh. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Nick. Give a like and subscribe to make Nick feel better about the fact he keeps having to work so much and Colin and I just sit there and chat shit all the time. Yeah, they chat shit. Although, to be fair, uh, all, all the Maymays do come from Zoe. She's the Maymay queen. The Maymays. The Maymays. <laughs> all right, see you on the next one. Bye.